Zack Snyder uncut, Sigourney Weaver runs a con, and the Ninja Turtles are back and they brought rap this week on 302010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back into the history. That sounds boring, not the history, the chronology of uh, TVs, movies, video games, music, and more. Uh, looking through the lens of this very week across three decades. What do we mean? 30, 20, and 10 years ago. You guys have been listening already. You know this. But your friends might not, and you're supposed to tell them to listen. So the concept being, right now, we are recording the week of March 19th to the 25th in three decades. 1991, 2001, and 2011. 30, 20, and 10 years ago. It also happens to be my birthday week, so I'm very excited about that. Hey. Yeah, I remember I remember being in the movie theater for one of these, and I'm sure my co-host can already guess which one that would be. Delta Force 3, the <laughs> killing game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the kids love Chuck Norris, so but he is in that movie, right? Thank you very His much for joining is. us. <laughs> uh, and you can, again, right off the bat, you can support us at patreon.com slash laser time, like executive producer Stephen Bales and many other fine people over there uh, throwing us uh, five bucks get exclusive shows uh, 30 2010 game edition uh, featuring the video game apocalypse boys where we break down all the games that came out during this period in a uh, in much more depth Chris Baker will be joining us again I'm so excited to talk uh, comic nerdery with him and uh, yeah guys are you excited for this episode as I am oh boy I Yay. I have a lot to say in this episode um, about very little but yay! Do you remember what you were doing during my birthday, thirty, twenty, and ten years ago? My co-host, who I haven't introduced yet. Sorry, guys. It's been a real, real tough one today. They cut off my water all morning. I haven't been able to shower or drink anything. This sucks. Well, uh. That's not that different from most of your morning. That's not true. Usually, I can at least drink water. I've Sun kissed strawberry lemonade from the local <laughs> from the Ooh, convenience wow. store because they had a twelve pack of it and we can't drink our own water. I love water. Who was brush your you? teeth with that? Oh, Nummy. So gross. It's so gross. Uh, I'm Diana Goodman and Ninja 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 <laughs> Rap. It's me. Sarah explains it all. Oh, that's <laughs> another one I'm excited for. Can't wait to tell you what's happened. But let's begin like we always do in the first decade, 1991, 30 years ago. Uh, on my birthday through the 25th, um, you know what I appreciate for my birthday? Patronage for us at patreon.com slash laser time. Maybe we can get another computer and not go through what we just went through. Um, <laughs> but a little bit of news to bring you into 1991 that doesn't relate to my birthing. Uh, NFL owner Strip Phoenix of a 1993 Super Bowl game due to Arizona not recognizing Martin Luther King Day. What? I don't remember mm-hmm. this at all. What? Oh, yes. Yeah. Arizona. Um, Okay, so Martin Luther King Day was made a federal holiday in like 86 Mm -hmm. and states, you know, added it to their calendars. Arizona added it like the governor did it by an executive order. And then the next governor rescinded it. And everyone was like, uh, why? And they had like some reason or whatever. But so Arizona was just sitting there with no Martin Luther King Jr. Day or any holiday for civil rights or anything. And this really pissed people off because it seems really yeah. kind of obviously racist. Petty. It's a dumb thing to do. How are you arguing it's a day off, you fucking morons? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, to pressure the state of Arizona, they said, you want a Super Bowl, which brings like a billion dollars to your state? Well, until you recognize ML King Day, we're not going to do it. And that that ended up working. Then Arizona uh, added Martin Luther King Day like 
later in 91, early 92, and it, it kicked in in time for the Super Bowl. Wow, the NFL has more teeth than the IOC. Interesting. No, mm. I mean, this this may have been a 20-year-old issue knowing how quick the NFL is to jump on these types of things. They've always mm. been champion of our African-American friends <clears throat> when it comes to me. <coughs> uh, <laughs> but Arizona, sorry to bag on Arizona. Uh, you don't even have daylight savings time, so you're listening to this an hour early. Uh, <laughs> uh, also in the news, oh God, Pamela Smart found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder for getting 15-year-old lover and friends to kill her husband and is sentenced to life in prison. She's got to be out yeah. by now, right? No, really? she's the only one still in. All Wait. the all the co-conspirators, they all ended up getting out. The ones who actually pulled the trigger and drove the getaway car, they all got out. But this was, she masterminded the murder of her husband. Yes, this is what To Die For is based on. Yeah. Oh. And no, she's she's still in. Well, I imagine they're out because they were minors when they were sentenced. Yeah, I so think they- most... Most of them did like 15 years. I think the actual gunman did like 20 something years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they did substantial time because, yeah, they mm-hmm. fucking murdered a guy. But mm-hmm. yeah, when um, a 20 something year old teacher starts nailing a 15 year old kid. Yeah, if I looked like Joaquin Phoenix and got uh, had sex with someone who looked like Nicole Kidman, I would murder anybody <laughs> at like as a teenager. Oh, yeah. She be- yeah. The real story is. Extra nutty pants. That movie is fantastic, though. Yes. I do love to die for. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't thought about it in forever. I used to watch that all the time. Ah, uh. oh, so good. But that's that's the news. That's what's occurring uh, right now, in 1991, when we're looking at the world of mostly pop culture, and it's gonna get poppy. Um, movies of 1991. Um, I don't have it in the notes that uh, oh, what's the movie that's been Silence of the Lambs? It's still number one or get knocked off. It got knocked off. Wow. Oh, oh I buy. I, oh no. I am so sorry, world. This is. Oh, oh no. Well, it wasn't by the movie Scissors, starring uh, Steve no. Rails back at Ronnie Cox and Sharon Stone, a movie I've never heard of. No, uh, I think it might have ended up going direct to video, but it's sort of based on Repulsion. Where, like, this super sexually repressed woman is, like, assaulted and she stabs a guy with scissors and then she's, like, trapped in this apartment and everything's spooky scary. And as before, Jaron Stone was known, really, yeah. I, except for uh, Total, Total Recall. Recall. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not the best movie involving murder with scissors we will talk about in 1991, though. Wow. <laughs> uh, Delta Force 3, The Killing Game. So this doesn't have one of the Chucks in it. Neither. No, it has Norris his brother Robinson. Mike. Mike Norris, <laughs> and it has Michael Douglas's brother Eric. What? It has John Cassavetes' son Nick in it. It's everyone's relative. Wow! Oh, wow! <laughs> it's like the Wilson Phillips of action movies. <laughs> wow! Look at that shit. And I bet they bought it. They they hired all these guys just to put their last names in highlight above the title. Yes. Ooh. Wow, Cassavetes, <laughs> Norris, and Douglas. That could mean anything. Uh, Delta Force Three. <laughs> What do you want us to say about it? Is this is this the is it the, if you did not see that Golden Globus documentary, we haven't talked about it in a while. There's mm-hmm. one of the Chuck Norris series. They just switched the release of the movies because they're that inconsequential and that the same. They moved the second one to the first being the first movie and nobody <laughs> the audience did not notice. So <laughs> Delta Force, you may know the theme from the old NASCAR theme on CBS. Uh, Flirting, a movie, is out with Noah Taylor and Thandie Newton and Nicole Kidman herself. Uh, yep, there she is, like, fi- getting to use her real freaking accent for once. Real? Um, wow. 
Yeah. Uh, no, Flirting is uh, an adorable coming of age movie oh. with wee little Noah Taylor, who I guess most people recognize now is cutting off Jamie Lannister's hand. But back in the day, he's a wonderful child actor. <laughs> and it takes place sort of in this boarding school. And I always forget which one's first, Flirting or Year My Voice Broke. Uh, I think this one's second. I think this is technically the sequel, but they're both like really sweet coming of age movies in Aww. like rural Australia in like the 50s. And, uh, yeah, they're, like, at this boarding school, and it's about, like, having a crush on a girl, and then drama happens and being unsure of yourself. And, yeah, Flirting and You're My Voice Broke are, are both, like, really sweet movies that, for some reason, like, Americans don't really know anything about, but uh -huh. I guess Oz Aussies respect. So, yay um, them. And this, is, this is, like, at least in the tail end of Australia hysteria. Huh. Yeah, I know. But it's not about, like, how wacky they are. <laughs> so it's more realistic. And no one wrestles a dingo or anything, so... Eh. <laughs> and the, or punches a kangaroo. Or commentates over Facebook videos. Who's that guy? He, he's always very excited. <laughs> um, and the two movies we do want to highlight that came out during uh, March 19th to the 25th, 1991. Uh, the first one being The Long Walk Home with Sissy Spacek and Whoopi Goldberg. Here's a little clip. Against their families. I don't want no trouble. You tried to ride the bus and that's why his face looks like that. What's wrong with you? Against their town. If you give in... What do you think is going to happen to this city? Against the odds. I'm a little scared. They broke every rule to fight for what was right. Rex Reed calls it one of the best films of the year. Sissy Spacey, Whoopi Goldberg, The Long Walk Home, rated PG. It involves busing, if you couldn't tell from the clip. Uh, I have not seen this. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, it like barely got a release. Mm -hmm. um, and I always get it confused with other movies with similar titles. There's mm -hmm. The Long Way Home. Um, there's The Long Way Back. Uh, the Long home. Walk Home is, it's like The Help But Better. Ah, Because okay. it's about the Montgomery bus boycott. And, you know, people protesting, saying like, you know, black folks, we don't want to sit on the back of the bus anymore. So we're going to boycott because black folks were the majority of bus users just tended to fuck things up. And Sissy Spacek is a white lady and Whoopi Goldberg is her housekeeper. And Sissy Spacek comes to realize, oh, things aren't equal around here for black folks in the 50s mm -hmm. in Alabama. How about that? And like, maybe <laughs> Who knew? I should just. Oh, all the people serving I... me and doing my work weren't being treated equally. <laughs> maybe I should give her a lift then if she's not going to take the bus so she doesn't have to walk seven miles or whatever to her job and then like all the white people are like now you're you're helping them uppity folks and she's like i'm trying to get my house cleaned god damn it <laughs> so yeah it's it's a good uh i mean there's better movies about montgomery bus boycott but this one doesn't get so much into like what is mlk doing what is so-and-so doing oh just more like this happens during that and what is it like for regular people mm -hmm. and it's it's really good Oh, I liked it. well, good. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit oversimplified, duh. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. honestly, I liked it better than the help. Except, oh, I mean, well. the, the help does have a couple of good laughs, and this didn't have as many. Intentional, so. though, like intent. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's one good intentional laugh. Come on, yeah, that's true. come on. And uh, yeah, it seems to be expanded from what started out as a short film, and mm -hmm. I think that's the only criticism you see of it. It's it's, it's longish, but like, uh, yeah, interesting. Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars. But she did not give the next film. Which I really, I really wish short films was were something yeah. that were more of a thing for that you could see that we could encounter more regularly because there are so many subjects 
that would be perfectly serviced by a short film. How many movies have we seen that we probably could have said, like, you know what, that could have been a short film. So- sounds it's like not a thing. Sounds like somebody mm-hmm. should have subscribed to Quibi. It was right there. This the the, the mechanism <laughs> Ooh, waiting for us. True. But yeah, you, would, you yeah. would figure in the digital age, short films would be more interesting. Like movies everyone could see for free in 10 yeah. minutes or less should be flying mm-hmm. all over the place. And I never see that. It's very yeah, frustrating. I mean, there's plenty. That's so much of YouTube. Oh, I know. It's not I know. people screaming over video games. It's like people <laughs> doing little comedy skits that are five minutes long. I'm like, as guilty yeah, as nice. anyone. But I go to short film festivals whenever I can because I, I do like the format. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, every time someone who's never written a screenplay writes a screenplay, I'm like, Start with a short film. Just do that. Try and get your friends involved and watch that fall apart before you write your feature film. <laughs> uh, and uh, the next movie, oh, good Lord, I, uh, was I on board for uh, Ernie Ray's Jr., David Warner, Paige Turco. Uh, number one at the box office this week, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Hold on to your pizza. Yeah! America's greatest heroes are back yeah! by prodigious demand. And a radical new movie. Take the ugly one. No, you take the ugly one. Which one's the ugly one? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. The Secret of the Ooze. Rated PG. Starts Friday, March 20th. Oh, man, I miss those days of not knowing a movie exists until you see a trailer for it in the theaters and you just want to run out screaming and telling all your friends <laughs> via phone. <laughs> that was the case with the first Ninja Turtles for sure and definitely with this one. Um, did you guys get a chance to rewatch this? <laughs> I watched it. I did this. What? I wow. am dedicated mm-hmm. to this show. And I believe it's on HBO. It's on, I watched it. It's weirdly on HBO because I don't like it's. Ninja Turtles are owned by Nickelodeon now, which should relegate them to Paramount Plus, a mountain of content. They are not sponsoring us, but we're happy to let them. And there truly is a lot of shit on Paramount Plus. I was poking around yeah. there the other day. I was like, damn. Yeah, it's like a hundred year old movie huh? company who owns a bunch of yeah. TV studios you don't watch anymore. And yeah. And that this is like in the credits, it said produced by Golden Harvest, the Chinese company. It's it's odd, but like if you remember okay. us talking about the Ninja Turtles movie from last year, it was one of the most successful independent movies of all time because it had to get its money from everywhere else because nobody was interested in really making this happen. Um, mm. But it was such an unprecedented success. It was an enormous success given like, I think it had like a $25 million budget and then made $200 million of 1990 money. Of course, wow. the sequel was inevitable. And, you know, it runs into the problem that a lot of sequels back then ran into there's not a big roadmap a lot of people don't want to come back i I, I wrote that down is that do you think that's odd for kids when like you get a sequel and it's not the same person i feel Mm. like it'd be a lot weirder it it should be it should be more exciting you should definitely strive to keep your actors the same and like other than people in the suits almost no one here is returning from the ninja turtles uh one uh not april o'neill being the biggest one having a new step parent mm-hmm. it's yeah, like sure. you're not my real april <laughs> Corey never Feld- be my Corey real feldman april. does not reprise his role as donatello he said he was deep in his heroin haze and didn't notice i, I bet you thought i was going to sit here and praise this movie like i did the last one because i really loved the first one but i didn't mm. hate it but it, it's also like what i remember is this is this is the apex of the ninja turtles phenomenon mm-hmm. in that a popular mm-hmm. toy line video games toys daily television show movie all happening simultaneously and i mean apex like this is when i was like i don't know that i'm that into this anymore mm. oh. and and i i don't know that's all up on the 
it has to do with the quality of the movie. But I was like, just getting into horror around this time as, a, as an 11 year old, um, which I turned 11 this week. Thank you very much. Uh, uh-huh. What did you think of it, Diana? Oh, I mean, it's a cartoon. It's it's a live action cartoon with uh, the exact same like adherence to logic or physics and snappy one liners and wackiness. And uh, I mean, it's one of those things. So I started watching it. Of course, my husband comes in and watches it with me because he was yeah, he was he a does. fan as a little kid. And he pointed out something I didn't even think about, which is like they go to such lengths for them to never use their yes. bladed weapons to actually stab anybody. It's like, you're right. They should be decapitating yeah. left and right. Yes. Not a lot of stabbing. That makes, yeah. Stabbing. Yeah. I believe Leonardo, he like, he stabs walls and like hits people with other things, but never. Right. And it's the same <laughs> with the cartoon, but like, I know a lot of Ninja fans know this, but like, let's say Sarah may not know this. The UK called it Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles because the word ninja just connotes violence and Michelangelo's yeah. not they're not allowed to see his nunchucks because those are prohibited violent weapons. And I can't imagine who was complaining about the violence in this movie because it's all like bonk kind of violence yeah. like no one's stabbed or even like really thrown off anything. It's it's very I do love the first movie. It is a little darker than a kids movie should be. Uh and mm. it's really fun. This, uh yeah, this is just I, I, it's another one of these things where it's like I wanted to drink every time someone yelled, Be quiet, we're ninjas. Like, <laughs> I laughed out loud numerous times. It's like having four Spider Men on screen. It's great. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> okay, that joke worked once. Uh, there was one moment that I, I want to see memed because it was so filthy and they didn't mean it to be. Um, where Splinter, oh. Sp- Splinter is like, uh, meditating on the roof and he comes down and tells and is going to talk to the guys and they're like hey mr splinter where were you and, you know or why were you on the roof and he's guys coming <laughs> to a conclusion <laughs> oh I, I thought you were gonna mr. say splinter. i thought you were gonna say when they asked the doctor like what's happening why are they burping they're trying to retard the transformation like really yeah. is that is that the best word you could have put in a kid's movie i mean yeah even in 91 do we have to yes david it's, warner david why? He, i have it written down as a salute to why? david warner the guy who's clearly better than everything he's in but is in everything he is the mm-hmm. british he is the british fifth lead in every genre movie ever made ninja turtles can you at least give the the best praise i want to give it is opening the movie in memory of jim henson cuz this is yeah that was nice. One of the last things Jim Henson got to work on, I, and I believe see to completion, the Jim Henson Creature Shop. It's one of my favorite pictures ever of Jim Henson standing in between the Ninja Turtles. But the the outfits are wonderfully way, way more articulate and better than anything in the first movie. And you don't see any mm-hmm. actors' faces through their smiles. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll, I will say that, yeah, I thought the, the animatronics and the suits were really good. And, you know, the action for what they have to do in these cumbersome, yeah. bulky-ass costumes, it's very impressive. But, you know, it's it's a baby movie for babies. Like, <laughs> they can't they can't even defeat the bad guy. The bad guy just, what, he... Defeats he, himself? He, he gets a bunch of ooze, and he starts walking slowly towards them, knocking out pillars of a pier, which is next to a club, which is next to a secret lab obviously yeah and uh he just keeps walking and hitting pillars and they go no don't do that you're gonna kill us and he keeps doing it and they're like oh wait we're next to water and we're turtles okay bye I, I wanted <laughs> oh to... no the bad guy's dead it's like well what was the point of that entire sequence i i tried to break it down in what i had called a tale of two kevins laird and nash 
Shredder, that super Shredder, Diana, is uh, from one of your favorite movies slash wrestling, Kevin Nash, the guy who doesn't dance in Magic Mike XXL. That's one of his hey. first film roles. He plays Super Shredder. Yeah, and, and the movie is a little confusing. Trying to break down, like, wait, what the fuck is this movie about? And yeah. as an adult, a 40-year-old who seriously analyzed this, I, I this is my take. Hate me, don't at me. The movie is about the creation of the two monsters. That's all it is. Like, there, you're, you're introduced to Ernie Reyes Jr. from Surf Ninjas, who is great. Mm-hmm. But he was, he was also, I think, Donatello's stunt double in the first movie. So he was like in the costume. But he ends up mm-hmm. doing karate in the opening and then doesn't do a fucking thing ever again. Other than like, nope. hey, guys! Uh, like, that is it. Uh, April doesn't do anything. The movie is about nope. the ooze going to Shredder and creating these two things. And if you're a Ninja Turtles fan, you wanted that to be Bebop and Rocksteady, the... Right. The pig and the rhino character, and it was baffling. And I know, what is it, Razor and Taka have have their fans now. They have great action figures from NECA. But the movie is essentially, the movie's about their creation, and it's not the people you want to see created and fight the turtles. And then they're defeated very quickly. Instantly. Almost instantly. (laughs) So they could squeeze in a music video. And, uh, oh, man, I wish you could imagine the boredom on my girlfriend's face when I'm trying to regale her with how popular the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles soundtrack is. Was I remember like our we our claymation teacher over the summer would let us play music and she officially like I'm not editing the Ninja Turtle soundtrack in any more videos no more Ninja Turtles <laughs> no more of the soundtrack it like er, people only wanted to hear Turtle Power I love that for me as a kid in 1991 this is like the apex of all culture there's a small Bart Simpson appearance Vanilla Ice and the Ninja Turtles all together in one fantastic wow. product and Vanilla Ice. Raps about the Ninja Turtles in one of the silly, silliest scenes, silliest <sighs> songs I've ever seen in my life. If he, he is a master freestyler. If he came up with that off the top of his head, and then re- he repeats <laughs> it over and over again <laughs> with the chorus of Ninja, Ninja Rap, Ninja Rap. Like I said, baby movie for babies. I love the idea that a massive chemical company that's been cleaning up a Superfund site can disappear overnight mysteriously, <laughs> and then leave their <laughs> leave their computer non-password protected. <laughs> yeah, not the CEO. No, the entire company disappeared. It's and everyone's ver- like, huh, that's odd. It's a very silly movie <laughs> that lacks the heart of the first one, and it doesn't get better with the third, but we don't have to talk about that for a while. However, yeah. I should plug, we've been quietly uh, soft-launching back the Monday Night Movie on Matt Allen's uh, Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash C. I don't know, Matty C. Allen. Follow the latest on Facebook uh, community, and uh, we'll... we'll point you where you need to go but i think i think i'll be joining matt and someone a very special guest to watch this again so i'm not only watching this once i'm watching it again in a few days and i i literally can't wait i this something about like i just watched psycho gorman if you haven't seen it thoroughly recommend it's like an adult horror power rangers movie but a movie based in suits and uh what do you call that like just not just practical effects but like almost kaiju shit and the suits in this are incredible they look fantastic And I would I love watching it. it makes me it fills me full of joy. Okay, moving on to the TV yeah. shows. Oh. I just I wish it had a plot. It, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It is all about making. It's all about making the things that aren't Bebop and Rocksteady. And apparently that was because the creators got in some kind of fight with uh, the producers and wouldn't allow Bebop and Rocksteady in the film. So no. it wasn't. I thought it was just Hollywood, like we know better, and Snapping Turtles are more popular. Who doesn't want more turtles? <laughs> Uh, but it's it's a fucking shame. I really would have loved to see those those outfits, and we never get to uh, in the T- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles original trilogy, um, an only trilogy for now. Let's move into television because this week, um, 
is in LA Law. Okay, this week in LA Law titles, we love to highlight the wonderful titles of LA Law episodes. Good to the last drop. Um, where the one where corporate schemer Rosalind Shays abruptly leaves the firm. It, yeah, it it is a moment. I please please make it. Uh, please share your screen so you can watch it together. Ooh, yes. It is one of the greatest moments in television history. I swear to God. And what's what's I don't know who this character is or what it's about. So L.A. Law is about a law firm, duh, and. Uh, recently this, you know, they, they brought in this like super corporate shark lady, Rosalind Shays, and she's like being kind of sneaky and schemy. And then she starts having an affair with the oldest partner who's played by uh, the guy who really shouldn't get CPR in the thing. And, (laughs) and then they're like having this, you know, there's this serious scene about what it is she wants and where she wants to take the, the firm and um, yeah, play the clip. Rosalind, I'm sorry. I can't marry you. This isn't about that. This is about that. For the past week, I've been getting nothing but resentment. You know that's true. I don't resent you, Leland. If anything, maybe I resent myself. For staying with a man who doesn't love you. I really don't want to talk about it. Ah! Oh my God! Oh my God. Oh my God. So yeah, that, yeah. that is one of the main were... characters abruptly falling down an elevator shaft. While they're waiting for an elevator to open, and she just walks in and falls down an elevator shaft, and I'm guessing fucking die. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's So that has been referenced so many times oh. in pop culture as oh. like just when someone, when a character is abruptly written off of a script oh my God. or, you know... For whatever reason, usually like referencing, like, I don't know what was happening on LA Law, but referencing like sort of things going on with contract negotiations. Yeah. This is what what comes up a lot. It's like, oh, are they going to fall down an elevator shaft? Because it's so, <laughs> it, it, it's the craziest way to kill someone on your television. It is the, 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 the 80s, is- the 90s, the 80s poochie, I have to go now, my planet needs me. <laughs> Uh, moment just right before the Simpsons come up with one. That's fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. 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 There is basically no warning. I think at the beginning of the episode, people walk by someone working on the elevator, but mm. no one really <laughs> no, makes a big deal. No dialogue. You know, gun it. No dialogue from Rosalind. I've always hated elevators. Just assume something <laughs> bad. My father was like, killed like, by an elevator. You're really giving me the shaft with this business deal. <laughs> I, I sent this one elevator up the river. He always he always promised revenge. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. reminds me so much of um, of Shit's Creek with Moira talking about how she was like written off her uh, her television program, her her soap <laughs> opera with like crazy ways to kill people. Just comes up. <laughs> that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Yeah, uh, it's such a shock. I remember watching this live and just being like, "What?" <laughs> it's like there's no rewinding. Just like, and then wow. they go to commercial, and you're like, "What the wow. fuck?" Wow! 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 That is so funny. Um, That's so funny. And the, the, the last time this happened on thirty twenty ten, I forget the show, but we laughed about it for weeks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, unceremonious kills during contract negotiations. Uh, I don't have any highlights for SNL this week, but then um, thanks to our laser time community thread of see how many people you don't like SNL, but that's okay. <laughs> I do, and it's a cultural touchstone. But in this, it doesn't get more 1991 than your host, Jeremy Irons, with musical guest Fishbone. No, you did not Ooh. wake up in college all of a sudden. They are playing on SNL. Uh, yeah. The the only I do remember I think it's part of the monologue where he sings a song about how much he wants to win the Oscar like 
this week. Mm-hmm. Is that is right that what, before the Oscars? Yep. Yeah. The usually, opening monologue's all about that. Usually we'll just have mentioned this week or last week the movie the SNL host is promoting, and we didn't mention a Jerry mm-hmm. Irons movie, so I'm guessing he's rolling in on some other uh, mm, uh, fame right now, and we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. But I did want to get to this because this is wonderful and important. Oh, <laughs> I used to make up so many dirty words to this theme song and sing it to my sister who loved it so much. <laughs> oh, goodness, I will never repeat them here. But uh, Clarissa Explains It All makes its official debut on Nickelodeon. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't love it, but uh, I understand how important it is. And Well, mm, yeah, it's hugely important for a certain millennial you know, cohort of people who really, she kind of, this character of Clarissa Darling really like created a whole archetype of a type of girl, Um, Mm. you know, kind of like uh, still a girly girl, but then also someone who's like best friends with a guy. She's kind of cool, smart, like kind of sarcastic. And Mm. like aesthetically, she's the first person that I saw that I really liked where like everything is a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like her lunchbox is like a cool lunchbox, like her outfit. Like there's every every part of her outfit is like, I have that, that written down. Way, I know? didn't. I did not know that because I was always looking for things in the background of the show. We had one yeah. TV. My sister loved the show. I didn't totally love it. And made fun of her for loving it, but didn't really hate it. <laughs> I don't think it holds up as well as Pete and Pete or anything. But it was cool to watch my sister disappear in her Ferris Bueller show, like a little lady Ferris Bueller show. And I'm looking huh. in the background, and I just watched. I think it's called The Orange Years, um, a documentary about Nickelodeon. And all mm-hmm. of this was on purpose. And rather than rather than manufacture a persona for Melissa Joan Hart, they she picked most of that stuff. So mm-hmm. I was always like, dude, I'll watch this show for 10 more episodes because she's got a They Might Be Giants flood poster on in the background, which you can't <laughs> even buy. How did that get yeah. there? And I found it like that was her choice. That was she was into weird shit and she got to define it's why Clarissa doesn't seem like it. You could qualify her as like a total 90s girl, but I swear there was no one like this character on television. And, no, and, and she's, she's a total 90s girl because she typifies that time period. Yeah. Like she's reflecting the time period as well as like setting the tone for it, which is pretty amazing for a teen show and absolutely genius of the creators to allow an actual teenager, the teenager who is the face and voice of the show to choose the aesthetic choices that go into her character and, you know, Mm -hmm. the outfits, the way she decorated her room. Mm -hmm. I mean, every place you looked in her bedroom, something fun was happening there. Really like, (laughs) and, and that to me, like was the coolest part of watching the show. I don't remember a single fucking storyline, but I remember exactly what that bedroom looks like. She went to go see Nirvana. That's every time I come over to your house, I want to have a little guitar lick. (laughs) Like when Sam would come in the window and, and they were apparently all that shit was adamant. They like, no, she will have a male best friend and they will never, ever be a love interest. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It, it, all this was like, inc- there's a ton of television first here, in, including basic cable sitcoms, female led children's shows. Like all of this had not really ever happened before. And it obviously resonated with everybody who watched it, whether it's yeah. not something mm-hmm. I can go back and revisit and binge because it's just like not really for me. And you know, I can't even really do that with DuckTales. But like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I have, I love the meme more than anything 
Clarissa did not explain this. It it works like every day. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was like a little too old for this show. I feel like, or, I mean, just come on. I was watching LA Law for crying out loud. I was weird. Um, I was already thirty when I was thirteen. We we've established this, but I liked what I saw, and I remember a lot of other kids, including guys, seemed to really like the show. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. and just what I caught, it's it seemed like it didn't. It wasn't super serious, but it also didn't talk down to its audience right. as it, much right. as so many of other shows it's, are shows do. And I didn't realize how close like that Clarissa and Blossom are within a couple months of each other debuting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Blossom is like there's some overlap with the characters there of mm-hmm. sort of their oddity, their weirdness, their strange fashion choices. But it's like Blossom is clearly like a family sitcom and Clarissa is no, this is pretty much just for the kids. It's, Adults it, will it, like it. I guess they can watch it. Never from, it's not talking to them. It's, and it's never ever not from Clarissa's perspective. The same, mm-hmm. the yes. same technique post office we use with fake documentary TV shows with testimonials. She just turned to the camera and start talking to you. And I, right. I, I don't know of how many shows lasting this long that did that. Cause there were Parker Lewis and a Ferris Bueller mm-hmm. show, but like, that's not, typically it's surreal and it's fun and uh I, I you just slam it sometimes it's being shot in orlando and with bad actors and <laughs> not <laughs> melissa joan hart but uh it's a little cheesy and sometimes it doesn't rise above the sitcom genre but it definitely did back then and it's mm-hmm. i can't recommend that documentary enough the orange years like nickelodeon trying to be very careful about how it builds original programming because take a look at the disney channel who doesn't seem to really try that hard we just do the same show this girl's a singer in her staff time dog with a blog they all look and sound the same feature the same archetypes no one had seen anything like this and it it they tried to grow the audience of nickelodeon with this show by spinning it off into the first uh it's the first show that aired on the first snick the saturday night nick where they didn't run donna reed reruns at uh saturday at eight o'clock they ran clarissa (laughs) instead uh, followed yeah. by Roundhouse, Ren and Stimpy, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? One of my favorite blocks of television in history. And uh, if I've, I've never seen it. The audience kept growing, and the show, the character was pretty popular. There is a CBS sitcom called Clarissa, where the character, a one-camera show, where the character hmm. moves to New York and gets a job or goes to college. Yeah. I forget, but like uh, it didn't last very long. But uh, yeah, good on Melissa Joan Hart. I think I saw her in person one time. That's what's uh, living in Florida will do. You go on Clarissa explains it all. Uh, and look at this, people. We just got the Oscar nominees for uh, 2021. Is that how we say it, Diana? Um, yeah. <laughs> I is... know. It's confusing because, like, the, all the movies of 2020, except some of them are movies of 2021 because they yeah. had to expand the eligibility yeah, time the, because, the, you know. Eligibility and... time was like an hour before the Oscars were announced. It was, it was pretty <laughs> no. crazy. Uh, but this is the 63rd annual Oscars. The only second consecutive year Billy Crystal has hosted. Um, would you like to see who our winners and losers were? Because, sure. um, one people like me will never get over starts with best picture and, mm. uh, dances with wolves in which I, Blech. if you didn't hear our episode, like I did not hate that movie as much as I thought it would. I thought there are parts of it that are kind of pleasant and beautiful. And, uh, yeah. but it's not Goodfellas. <laughs> it's it's, it's not, not Goodfellas. It's and Kevin not. Costner is not Martin Scorsese. No. I, I will I will give Dances with Wolves best picture, but I cannot give it best director. That is best some director. bullshit. 
And yeah. Why is Coppola even in here? Best actor, Jeremy Irons, Reversal of Fortune. It's Klaus yeah, von Bülow. So he, I cannot, as a, I, I would imagine a pro- very professional British actor. What a week Jeremy Irons is having, hosting SNL and winning a fucking Oscar. <laughs> I mean, all of it, it's just fun that he references wanting to win on SNL, yeah. and then the next day he turns around and wins it. It's kind of fun. Over Kevin like Costner, that. De Niro and Awakenings, Gerard Depardieu in um, that Roxanne remake, and um, <laughs> Richard Harris in the field. <laughs> Kathy Bates wins for Misery, and I think there we will have no problem yep. whatsoever. I mean, is this the two campiest best actor, best actress wins in history, <laughs> like paired together? Like, I'm sorry, but Misery is also kind of camp. And so to have Reversal of Fortune is and it? Misery okay. win for both of these is just, I love it. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. She beat out Julia Roberts for Pretty Woman, Jellica Houston, The Drifters, Joanne Woodward, Mr. and Mrs. Bridge, and Meryl Streep, who would never go on to win any Oscars and Postcards from the Edge. <laughs> and if you didn't hear us talk yeah. about that film, that was a surprising dart to my funny bone. I fucking loved watching uh, Postcards from the Edge. And I I, yep. I said, it's uh-huh. why was she nominated for this? this? Is the only time Meryl Streep has kind of like played herself. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's a very subdued person as opposed to what she usually does with a lot of wigs and costumes this this i still love i if you had to give goodfellas an oscar i'm glad they gave it to joe pesci for yeah um for tommy that that is really one of the greatest that is one of the greatest on-screen roles in human history and the fact that al pacino was nominated for big boy and dick tracy is ridiculous it means this category (laughs) is null and void anyway i love it so much but yeah joe pesci i mean one of the most menacing characters in film history too like just scary we, I was yep. just talking, my sister just saw Goodfellas for the first time, and we were just talking about that movie as a family. And, like, his portrayal as that guy who you never really quite know if he's going to fly off the handle is, we all have been around people like that. What the and fuck it's, is so funny about It's me? scary. Tell me, huh? It's really scary. Like, yeah. he does such a good job with that. Get the fuck out of here, Sarah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. and, and, and I would have. And then, actually, speaking of some light camp, though, Whoopi Goldberg for Ghost. I mean, I I love this little foursome of like acting trophies. Yes. I, these are fun. This is why really I, I, this is why she's an egot. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg, yep. one of her only like non musical egots. Uh, she won an Oscar yeah. for Ghost. And, yeah, and it had been fifty plus years since a black woman had won an Oscar. Jesus yep. Christ! Oh God! Well, maybe yeah. they just weren't any yeah. good movies. Uh, what the fuck is that? That's so crazy. Beating out Lorraine Bracco and Goodfellas, Annette Benning and the Grifters, which I don't even remember we talked about. Diane Ladder, Wild at Heart. Yeah. Yeah. Wild at Heart was nominated? Oh my goodness. And Mary McDonnell, who you don't get an Oscar ever. Um, Best screenplay, Ghost. Sure, why not? Best screenplay based on previous materials. And I can't think of any more. Oh, best animated short film is Creature Comforts. Speaking of Nickelodeon. Hey! If you remember, Nickelodeon didn't have a lot of inventory, and they'd show BBC or British uh, animation before they could fill out. Because they were they were airing basically a, a bunch of half-hour French and Japanese content, and then having to make half an hour extend to 45 minutes to an hour, and then just putting in short animation in the middle. And Creature Comforts, if you were born in the 80s or the 90s, you will remember. Look up Creature Comforts. <laughs> it is the Wallace and Gromit animal testimonial cartoon. It's fucking wonderful. You just need the yep. space. And I need the space. It, it, wasn't it like it's people yeah. talking about living in a city? They interviewed random people and had them say things about living in a city, and then they... uh 
superimposed those voices over animals in a zoo. So the, yeah. the the lion complaining like I just don't have the space here. I came here for more space and I got nothing. He's <laughs> pointing at the lighting is terrible. It, it's awesome. <laughs> Creature comforts. I've seen one hundred thousand times and I own it on DVD, which yeah. is and <laughs> I, I can't believe seeing Nick Park beat Nick himself because a grand yeah. day out is also nominated. Oh, so wonderful. Which is is that the first Wallace and Gromit? Um, yeah, I think it I is. I want to say it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's it's. It's like two years old at this point. What are they doing? Um, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and the wrong trousers would end up winning. And and, and Wallace's mouth <laughs> is not wide enough. It's not as wide as you think it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they got to go to the moon because it's made of cheese. And they mm-hmm. love cheese for their crackling toast. Crackling toast, Gromit. I love Wallace and crackling Gromit toast. so much. Um, and, and with that, that is about... That is about it. no games really to speak of this month. Uh, we'll go way more in depth, and I'll dig into like arcade releases, multi-platform releases, obscure weird shits, and you can hear Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Pars, and Maddie Allen yell about that, uh, and hopefully Chris Baker. Um, music of 1991, March 19th to the 25th, uh, 1991. Uh, we got new releases, including "Chill of an Early Fall" by George Strait. My grandma thought that album sounded very safe. Um, "Make Way for the Motherload" by Yo Yo, uh, "Bag of Tricks" by. Houdini, uh, Gothic by Paradise Lost, and One More Try by Timmy T is number one. And we will close out with that and stay right there because uh, I got some shit to yell about later in the episode. Steer don't move. One more try, let me put my arms around you. Living all these lonely nights without you. Oh baby, can we give it one more try? Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 30 2010? Well, the Laser Time Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash lasertime, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparas and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. It is the launch of Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants. One oh, of man. the worst games I have ever played. Terrible. It's, it, it's terrible in a different way because, like, you get a lot of the YouTube snark over the first level, which is... And it was basically just a parody of They Live, yeah. which I didn't understand at the time. I didn't get it all. And once you get past that original level, it's just a shitty, shitty, oh, shitty yeah. side-scroller with no gimmick at all. Do we know the story? Is this one of those things where they had a different game and then they just threw a Simpsons skin over it to capitalize on, I, on the fad? Or? I don't think so, but it is the first one from Acclaim. But what I do like pointing out is that everything in the game, such as the importance of the space mutants, is all based on season one Simpsons horseshit. Yes. And and, and this this game, like it even puts it on the box because technically in terms of Simpsons references, McBain hasn't, hasn't been mentioned. Bart doesn't have a ton of friends. Lisa has no friends. We don't. We may not even know the name of her teacher. I would say the 18th most famous Simpsons thing, <laughs> the Space Mutants, and uh, this game reflects that. And it's about all you'd have to remember that. It kind of had those like proto Kodos and Kings. Right. It was like they had arms and legs and one eye, and they would show up like at the beginning and when you died. Development uh, obviously started before the second season of The Simpsons because yeah. there's no Kodos and Kings. <laughs> 
So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Laser Time shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yay! Come on, my sugar baby. Welcome to 2001. Coming in with Butterfly by Crazy Town. It is number one this week. And man, if this is not one of the most evocative songs of 2001. This is 2001 in a nutshell to me. Man. It pretty much is. And also... I kind of love this song. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking silly. Uh, it's so the music video. It's what dreams perfect. may come. <laughs> yes, it is. It is it's what, what dreams may come. But so a music weird. video with like tattooed boys in it. I love it. I I've made a joke about it several times. I won this CD off the radio because I'm a thousand years old. And I went in to pick it up, and, and, and I forgot when you like get a CD from the radio station, they like punch a fucking hole through it so you can't sell it to anybody. Mm. So I somewhere in this house, I have a Crazy Town CD uh, that's Ow. been mangled. Uh, crazy Town, everybody. I, my only other Crazy Town memory, and I'll never be able to say this probably, uh, there was that VMAs where Will Ferrell literally interrupted everybody to advocate for Crazy Town. Like whoever... <laughs> He pulled a Kanye, but on behalf of Crazy Town. Uh, just want to remember that guy is funny before he's dead. Um, new music releases, because we were in 2001, everybody. March 19th to the 25th. Ease Down the Road with Bonnie Prince Billy. Uh, know Your Enemy by uh, Manic Street Preachers. The Gift by Busy Bone. Healing by uh, Unloco. Nation by Sepultura. Uh, part 3 by 112. <laughs> uh, the Places You Have Come to Fear the Most by Dashboard Confessional. Uh, save it, Sarah. Satellite Rides by Old 97s and uh, Thugs Are Us by Trick Daddy. Oh, oh man. It's it's difficult okay. to, to, to just imagine those are all coming out at the same time. This is like my girlfriend's music with some No Limit. And Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, this it's all like, over the place. Yeah, this is like the peak of Sarah music. Because first of all, let me just say, Peaches and Cream is the song from 112, from the album for 112 that oh, was goodness. everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's so it still slaps, but yeah. man, the places you have come to fear the most. I I don't think there is an album that more typifies, and that's the second time I've used that word in this podcast. My <laughs> like this year for me than this album. Like it's to me, it's a perfect album. Every song's great. It is the perfect album for being a teenager. Like, it really just kind of gets to the core, that molten lava core of emotion that we all (laughs) feel. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot recently about, you know, I I just don't listen to music that much anymore. I really only listen to podcasts when I'm in the car, when I'm working out, when I'm walking, whatever I'm doing, cleaning. It's always podcasts. And I've been trying to kind of break that habit and get back into listening to music again. And I've been trying to, like figure out like why was I so into music 
in high school and like just felt this music like in my bones, man, like really mm-hmm. loved it. I think a lot of people do that and then they kind of fall off of it. And the only thing I can think of is that during that time, your brain is just on fire yeah. with hormones. <laughs> yeah. And so you just imprint on stuff so hard. Mm-hmm. And I do think that like, unless you are specifically a music person, most people's music tastes are solidified in high school and then you spend the rest Mm -hmm. of your your life listening to what you listened to in high school or things that sound very similar to what you listened to in high school. You're you're a little bit more up on stuff. It's not just hormones. It's just like having a gateway to some kind of mainstream empathy and Hmm. the the idea that you're, you're not alone. What even this, this music is cliched. I remember my first breakup, every love song makes sense to me. I'm only 16. Uh, Like (laughs) it it, it all made sense to me. And like, it's nice to have that. And then, now we live in an adult world where we don't have emotions filled with highs or lows, so we don't <laughs> need it's music true. for that reason. It's it's for, for me. It's like it is literally background. I don't want to hear any lyrics. I'm talking. Yeah. This is a party. I, I think, yeah. <laughs> Let me just put on M83 for a yes. while, but yeah, uh, or explosions in the sky. There you go. But um, but yeah, I mean, like the this was the like. I did not start listening to this album the minute it came out, but I did start listening to it during this year of 2001. Um, and this was also the year that I fell in love for the first time, had my first like, and and really started feeling those feelings. Um, and it just could not have come at a more perfect time. And I still love this album and I still love Dashboard Confessional. Vindicated off the Spider-Man soundtrack is fantastic still i like i will advocate for a dashboard confessional all the time i'm, I think I'm getting just... all right well i was i figured we would at, le- leave 2001 with dashboard confessional and i picked one song based on the video yeah but uh just because it has nick Stahl and aaron paul in it and i found out oh it's because it's from a made for mtv movie about drug addiction oh, oh. makes me sad for nick Stahl because he had a lot of drug problems yeah. uh but yeah it's also weird to see like oh it's dashboard confessional and is that Aaron Paul? <laughs> it's it's huh? weird for me because now I'm having visions of a uh, I made fun of my sister loving Clarissa and my girlfriend loving Dashboard Confessional in like the exact same way. And I was just uh-huh. merciless and rude and uh, maybe do I treat all my girlfriends like my sister? Anyway, let's not dig into that. Ooh. There's too much. Hey, there's... Let's drill down on that. I mean, there, there's a movie in here where we can <laughs> we can bring do it up. Wanna... Lay down on a couch and we could talk about this. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's 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 going on just yet. But uh, rock and roll hall of fame inductions before I get very uncomfortable. Aerosmith <laughs> isn't uh, is inducted uh, because somebody forgot to ten years ago. How long has the rock and roll hall of fame been around? It's not. It is late not 80s? that long, is it? No, no, late eighties. I think we okay. covered the first one in like eighty six. I, I just remember. Yeah. I remember when they started broadcasting the performance on HBO, and that was like right. one of the things my dad like would get HBO for. Yeah, because see... it's cool because you get all these people jamming together. Yeah, uh, Solomon Burke is inducted. The Flamingos. Hell yeah! Michael Jackson, Rock and Roll King, uh, Queen, <laughs> Paul Simon, Steely Dan, and Richie Valens. I wonder that what is he was. Good group right there, guys. I think Richie Valens wore this. The, never mind. Um, uh, news of two thousand one. Uh, uh, I, I again, I love how eclectic this is because there's yeah. always one group like the Flamingos that's like, oh, they're an early fifties pioneer, yeah. and then Richie Valens, someone who's important but didn't wasn't around for very long, and someone like Solomon Burke, who's like way more influential than he is famous. Mm-hmm. I love Solomon Burke so much. I was just thinking about this randomly the other day. 
how I got hyped to go take the AP English Lit test. Wow. <laughs> I was listening to Everybody Love Somebody or Everybody Needs Somebody to Love like a bunch of times because I could not wake up to go take this test early in the morning. And I listened to that over and over and over <laughs> like three times. Wow. And then I was like, yes, let's do this AP exam. I got a four. I didn't have to take two college classes because of that. Yeah, the music is bringing back memories. My mom just handed me a photo album apropos of nothing, and it was she developed pictures on a camera she found, and it was a mostly me and my uh, first real girlfriend, and it was when I was buying beer for the first time. Um, (laughs) She took pictures. Yeah, I'm I'm in the community. I I may put them online. There's it's it's me and some terrible. Just enormous pair of khakis with a pager buying a 12-pack of natural light. And Aww, <laughs> that's fun. And then, and then just a shout-out to my other friends. She tried to hide the picture, but I remember like, you think your boobs look just like his butt if we press them together and frame them appropriately? So there's like seven pictures where he tried to get her cleavage and his ass crack uh, in the exact same shot <laughs> so they look the same. It's, it's one of the weirdest <laughs> images I've taken with a disposable camera. Um, no nudity, very tasteful. Uh, and and but yeah, that's that's sort of what this show will do. Crazy towns like making me f- riding around in a car with my girlfriend, trying to. This place will sell us natural light. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a little bit of news to bring you into 2001. The Russian uh, Mir space station is disposed of, breaking up in the atmosphere before falling into the Southern Pacific Ocean near Fiji. Uh, it has been in orbit for 15 years. Hmm. Yep. And we didn't get free tacos. <laughs> Don't get it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, Taco Bell put a little uh, tarp off the coast of Australia and it said, if any piece of mirror falls on this tarp, we will give everyone in the world free tacos. <laughs> oh, that's fun. But I mean, they knew that wasn't going to happen. But yeah, mirror. We, oh, it was a, that was a quality janky space station. This billion dollar mm-hmm. corporation really think you can afford to give everybody a 10 cent taco? Everyone in the world. world? I mean, think of the world peace if we all got a taco on the same day. Yeah, Yeah. everywhere. Just imagine that be taxing on the planet. We could do a lot. (laughs) uh, This episode brought to you by the Quesalupa. Uh, live Nas. Uh, so, I love Taco Bell so much. <laughs> We're big Taco Bell fans. Uh, and then uh, other news for you uh, tech heads, Mac heads out there. Mac releases OS X, um, yeah. one of my favorite snowboarding games. No, it's uh, I wasn't. I'm not a Mac user, but you and Michael are, Diana. Yep, yep. This was the the big change in the format and how the whole desktop worked, how the files worked. You know, before it was it it was kind of like DOS to Windows. Mm-hmm. This is the change for Mac folks of like. Yeah, everything is new and different and upgraded and uses blah, blah, blah bits and so and so memory. And it's like, it takes, you have to learn it again. It takes getting used to. Did I not have to, I don't want to remember the difference between Apple and open Apple, closed Apple. <laughs> I don't, does that still happen? Mm. Okay. Mm. That's a no. Uh, 2001 movies. Oh boy. Um, an Everlasting Peace with Billy Connolly, Barry um, McAvoy, and Anna Friel. I've not heard of this. This is a wacky British comedy about two pay salesmen. Two what salesmen? Nice. Yeah, they're two, two pay, pay salesmen. Two pay sa- uh, Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Everlasting Peace, P-I-E-C-E. Oh, my God. I oh! Yeah, and but it's also, it's like in Ireland during the Troubles. So And they like <laughs> make comedy out of that, which ended up being an issue where like the filmmakers said that DreamWorks buried the movie because they were trying to suck up to the British government by 
you know, and this movie was like too nice to the IRA. It, yeah, there was a lawsuit that went on for like 10 years until it got what? dismissed. Just in the background of this, because yeah, it just like it didn't really get much of a release anywhere, but it's it's awfully cute. I mean, sounds so cute. It's cute. Uh, and a uh, movie I. Man, I, I was listening to NPR around this point, so they couldn't stop talking about Marsha Gay Harden and Ed Harris in Pollock. Boy, does that radio station love movies about painters. <laughs> <laughs> Pollock. Yep. Yep. This was an Ed Harris passion project, yep. man. He worked mm-hmm. forever to get this made. I think it's his first thing that he ever directed mm-hmm. and stars in. His wife's in it too. And Marsha Gay Harden won an Oscar for it, which she deserves because she's great. And yeah, it's about Jackson Pollock and, uh, what a massive alcohol problem he had Mm -hmm. that's like the big thing that i take away from this is like oh my god yeah it's like who knew the guy with all the drippy paintings was just battling that demon like nobody's business now drip (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean like it gets into sort of the creative process of really explaining to jerks like me who think like hey my kid could do that like no, how how did he get to this place of the the drips and smears and how organized was it and what was the thought process and yeah. it's not like he just started that one day because it's easy. The, the with the the lack of thought and having no idea of composition leads younger people to make fun of people like Jackson Pollock, which I'm only segueing to a friend of Sarah and I's, like who has decided who had decided to be a billion different things uh, in his youth decided he'd be a painter. And I remember he was inspired by Jackson Pollock to buy an enormous canvas and paints, not knowing how fucking expensive that shit is. And then have <laughs> it, have his dog walk across his canvas and it was literally the funniest story of a person starting and quitting art in the same day. Go, um, it's John, Sarah. He's not even on Facebook, so you can't find Oh, my God. Uh, that he, is the least surprising thing a I've A giant, heard. ill-trained dog running through multiple kinds of paints, and he's trying to field him run over, over this canvas. The, bi- the better piece of art was the hardwood floors in the place he was renting and never getting his deposit back. <laughs> <laughs> unsurprising was... extremely unsurprising yeah i i was right about to watch this movie and then i just kind of feel a little bit like i just am not really in the mood for any more movies about brilliant yet difficult men mm. <laughs> so, yeah and the grief that they put upon their loved ones oh what did we uh, do now in the name of their brilliance <laughs> yeah there's there's of course there's gonna be some of that it's not as bad as other things it's hard to capture artists at work in film mm-hmm. it's just yeah. there's only so many ways you can do this and i i think this one does it especially well mm-hmm. where he's like yeah he's an asshole but it's i feel like there's a little bit less of the it's okay he's an asshole because he's a genius and mm-hmm. it well. does have that sympathy for like the women in his life that he keeps fucking over you know because like his wife was also an artist and he cheated on her with a different woman who was also an artist you know mm-hmm. It's like okay, but can we but also remember off court for everyone? What year is this set? Fifties. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of non-brilliant assholes in the fifties too. I think it was just kind of the default of male. Mm. <laughs> yeah, was May- what was yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But I've not. I, I think I saw a little bit of this, uh, but like I. I would only watch these movies during Showtime pre previews. Um, yeah, <laughs> this and Frida. Uh, 
Mm. Can you believe this? Oh, Frida's more fun. Frida's yeah, way more Frida fun. instead. Hello, yeah. Frida's awesome. Can you believe that this next movie was one I was very much looking forward to, and I, I oh, God. couldn't get the research done. Again, bringing up your sister. No, 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 no. It's different than How that. they're connected to your girlfriend. Okay. Orlando Jones, Heather Graham, Chris Klein, and Say It Ain't So, a terrible film. From the guys who did There's Something About Mary. Can you feel the pain? Say it isn't so. You say something the honeymoon. What are you saying, Gilly? Say it isn't so. Is that my missing underwear? But my bottom off the same guy that saw me these naked pictures of you. Oh, we're talking freaky. Say it isn't so. I got my ears pierced because I like it, okay? And I got these pierced because I hate you! Say it isn't so. That was you on the internet. Rated R. Say it isn't so. We can't have an ain't in there. Um, <sighs> oh, boy. I love how it's very not specific with from the guys who did it's something there's something about Mary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's produced. Yeah, yeah. This is produced by the Farrelly brothers and directed by their second unit director. Yeah. Uh, and written by someone else. Well, okay, so here's here's like a long, long ago in a bygone era, and I forget how old I am. I read this amazing article, I believe, in Spin Magazine about a couple that got together and then found out they were they had the same father. But yeah. uh, and it was this beautiful and cr- insane and heartbreaking story where like they decided they didn't care. They both did jail time for. <laughs> loving one another uh but kept getting back together and it was one of the most like just do you remember that i don't even remember magazines with like this kind of like Mm -hmm. 10 page story and i was and i remember saying like this would be a great fucking movie and i handed this around to i handed the magazine around to a bunch of my friends like this is this story's fucked up like a, a brother and sister love like a it's not romantic or hot it's just like dude they go to jail multiple times they try and see other people and keep coming back to one another and Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy and then i heard they're making a movie about that thing and i thought this was it i can't find out if there's really any connection to it because it would be a not saying it'd be hot sarah not saying it'd be a great (laughs) romance weird in a really good Mm -hmm. movie and I thought it, and then like I remember reading about back when you read about movies before you saw a trailer. The trailer I would have known. Oh, Orlando Jones is in an afro. Like this is not that movie. But I, <laughs> I thought this. But I do feel like I couldn't find out for sure. I thought that's where this movie came from, and was eventually mm. perverted into a Fairly Brothers comedy, making fun of incest for ninety minutes. Yeah. And, uh, God, I hate this. Yeah, exactly. yeah, looks fucking <laughs> oh, terrible. It is fucking terrible. I tried to watch some of it, and I was like, "Nope, tapping out." Yeah, because yeah, the idea is that Chris Klein and Heather Graham hook up, and then they find out like, "Oh, Chris Klein was put up for adoption by Heather Graham's mom, Sally Field. Why are you here?" Mm. And <laughs> wackiness ensues, and like she's gonna leave town, and then he's gonna follow her to somewhere called Beaver, Oregon. Isn't that funny? Because it's Hilarious. called Beaver, Oregon. And that's funny. And oh, wackiness ensues. Then this other guy shows up, and it turns out maybe he's the guy instead, but they're trying to keep her away from Chris Klein and not tell her that that's not her brother. And then, oh, God. Oh, everything they're trying to be funny was like so, like every joke that you could see coming from a mile away, and you'd think, no, they're not going to do that joke. That's too dumb. Yep. Oh, they did it. Yep. They, <sighs> they found a way to do a dolly shot on cum. Uh, <laughs> they, they it, like I wanted to make a little 
one of those uh, meme graphs. Like, is it a good movie? Does it star Chris Klein? Is it election? No. Uh, (laughs) No, nothing starring Chris Klein is ever good. Uh, That guy is one of the best. Was he saved, though, as well? Was he? Because he was like, he is bad good in that Street Fighter movie. Holy shit. Oh, my God. It is incredible. Um, (laughs) And the movie I did not see, but I. I remember having this in my like first Netflix queue. <laughs> uh, yeah. Morris Chestnut, D.L. Hughley, Bill Bellamy, uh, Shamar Moore, the brothers. This spring, you want me to work it? Work it. Good men aren't hard to find. We're single professional men. We're the cream of the crop. We are the cream of the crop. You're on the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Morris Chestnut. Would you like to meet my sister? I'm kind of off the market right now. D.L. Hughley. A young brother's getting all he can stand these days. Bill Bellamy. I'm Lama Zinga. Lama what? Shamar Moore. We're getting married. Here we go. The Brothers. Rated R. Opens everywhere March 23rd. Um, Speaking of generic ass titles, though, is it Mm -hmm. The Brothers? Is it Brother? Is it Four Brothers? Is it spelled with an A? What's happening here? I just remember I, I love D.L. Hughley, and since maybe we never mentioned, but like Bill Bellamy, I fucking mm-hmm. loved. He was a huge MTV VJ. What was the sh- the stand up thing he hosted for years? Oh yeah. So he was Shoot. he was one of the first stand up co- comedians I was ever aware of, and then he was on MTV like every day, and I was like, oh fuck yeah, I'll see a Bill Bellamy movie, and of course it didn't come to my town, or I couldn't find it at my local movie gallery. I didn't make the easy blockbuster huh. reference, uh, and I forgot all about the brothers. Um, yeah, I feel obviously. like a lot of people forgot about it, even though that's like it's got a great cast. Yeah. And <clears throat> um, the the description I saw over and over and over was waiting to exhale for dudes. Ah. <laughs> and then I watched a big chunk of it and I was like, yeah, Work, working class yeah. boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, OK, they're all no, they're all pretty like middle class mm-hmm. and, you know, like. One is afraid of commitment and one is married and unhappy and one just like got out of a relationship and they're like, you know, all these different relationship problems that they run into and like, oh, and then there's, I I can't say wackiness ensues, but it's like, it's heartfelt, but like a little edgier than Tyler Perry, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's still, it's kind of like, kind of like that sort of, but yeah, like waiting to exhale or something where it's just like charming people in the relationship problems for like an hour 40. Okay. If sexy Dr. Morris chestnut. Mm. Yes. (laughs) I think I need another breast exam. (laughs) (laughs) That guy is eye candy. I'm sorry. He's a pretty good actor, but Morris chestnut is gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Um, and then on to the number one movie of the week. Um, Ray Liotta, Gene Hackman, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and Sigourney Weaver in Heartbreakers. He's hardly handsome. Your trash is on fire. He's hardly charming. Look at all the fish. <laughs> Got it. He's hardly breathing. And that's exactly the way they like it. The older, the better. With luck, they die right after the wedding. Marry me. We're talking a settlement of 20 million. Darling. Heartbreakers. Rated PG-13. Starts March 23rd. Special sneak preview this Saturday. Jeez. Be there this Saturday for a sneak preview. They still do those? Okay. Uh, this this movie, did you guys get to see it? I did. Yep. Yeah. So I, I did not, but I really liked this movie when I saw it I several really years ago. I really liked it when I watched it. 
watched it this weekend. I thought it was really funny. I uh, I liked so much of it, but it has some major problems. Mostly, I mean, first, I just like the, oh, mother-daughter con artist. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. And then seeing, oh, it's directed by David Merkin, you know, showrunner for The Simpsons. Simpsons. And his last movie was Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. And mm-hmm. it was like, Okay. That was a. I hadn't seen that, and I loved that. So I was like, okay, this sounds awesome. The parts of it that work work, mm-hmm. but there is so much fat in the middle. I can't believe this movie is two hours solid. Mm. Like it, if it were one thirty-five, I would love this movie. But there is just oh my god, it gets so repetitive in the middle, and I was like, come on, you have so much cool stuff going on here. I don't need another scene of Jennifer Love Hewitt trying to scam Jason Lee by being a complete psychopath (laughs) and him being like, well, I guess I'm in love with you now. Mm. And you're like, but she is like being the worst person in the world to you. And he's like, I don't care. I'm affable. She is also Jason Lee. If I may (laughs) speak from my 2001 uh, self, she has never looked better. Like, oh oh, my God. To look at Jennifer Love Hewitt. Woo, she looks amazing. And so does Sigourney Weaver, for real. So it's like this this like yeah. super hot, dirty, rotten scoundrels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah. I, I really like, my girlfriend and I, re- at the time, like several girlfriends ago, really liked this movie. I really liked it, too. You are right, though. I did not really, it did feel like when they get to the point with Jennifer Love Hewitt marrying Jason Lee, I already felt like the movie was over. I was surprised yeah. how much more was going on. So, yeah, now that you say that, it definitely could have been trimmed here and there for sure. But it overall, very enjoyable. Ray Liotta yeah. is great. Ray Liotta. Yeah. So funny. Yes. I could so not believe funny. out of all of these people that Ray Liotta, I was laughing. like super, I was almost hysterically laughing at some of his antics. He's so loved, funny. Yes. I loved his whole shtick. Like I was because he's in the beginning of the movie and then he comes back and I was so happy to see him come back, you know, like his storyline pick up again. I was hoping that would happen. Right. Um, the, yeah, his and his storyline is uh Sigourney Weaver is a con artist who marries people and then sets up uh Jennifer Love Hewitt, her daughter, who they don't know it's her daughter, mm-hmm. to seduce them so she can catch them in flagrante delecto and then get a big settlement. Mm-hmm. And that's their thing. And yeah, the whole opening of her just coming up with every horrible way to blue ball him. <laughs> to tee him up for Jennifer Love Hewitt. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Also, Jennifer Love Hewitt is a better actress than I think she has gotten yeah. credit for. And I was thinking, why haven't we really seen her anymore? But then. Spoken like someone a, who doesn't watch The Ghost Whisperer. I was going to say, she had a very long running TV career between Party of Five, The Ghost Whisperer, and now she's on 911. So, yeah, she's around. She's just not in the things that most people are watching that, that I was watching, I guess. Um, but yeah, just a very enjoyable film. And Gene yeah. Hackman is yeah. hacking yeah. it up. Let me tell you, <laughs> like he's great in it. Everybody's doing great work. I think. I swear this is, yeah. a, this is a fun one to track down. It really is. I, I, it seems yeah. like something you, I t- typically slam movies with the word hard in it, uh, but hmm. not this time. Uh, I think, I think it's on, HBO Max or Amazon? It's on HBO. It's on HBO. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, like, I guess it's a light recommend for mm-hmm. me just because, like, the fun parts I, I were really fun. Yeah. But yeah, there's this whole subplot of Jennifer Love Hewitt being like, I'm going to go it on my own. I'm going to s- seduce this other guy. And then just because she's falling in love with him, acting like a total psycho, like, don't show up at a guy's house unannounced, make out with him, take your shirt off, then yell, I can't, and then run away and then stalk him again later. It's like, no, not a good foundation for a relationship. Someone who acts like that needs medication. 
<laughs> Don't take yeah, that. She, she doesn't know any other way. Are you are, yeah. are you telling me the the director of The Simpsons doesn't handle human emotions very well? The, the comedy <laughs> is fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, though, the uh, really fun to see Anne Bancroft. Yeah. Oh yeah, she Anne Bancroft. She kills it a nice little part. Yeah, fun and, uh, little role. Yeah, and we got uh, Sarah Silverman and Kevin Nealon and Baby Zach Galifianakis yep. in little parts too. Yeah, it's fun to watch them pop up. All right, and I'm moving. Uh, yeah, so mo- yeah, heartbreakers. Yeah, it's a, mm. yeah, <laughs> a light recommend. Moving yeah, on to recommend. television of 2001, March 19th to the. To, it's really fun to say your own birthday through the 25th. Patreon.com slash laser time if you'd like to give me a gift. Uh, Gil- Gilmore <laughs> Girls, um, the third Lorelai. Yeah, uh, this is week, a this is a great episode because it kind of sets up a running thing throughout the rest of the series. But we get introduced to Richard, Lorelai's father's mother, so Lorelai's oh. grandmother, who you know the whole time we've set up this relationship between Lorelai and her mother Emily and how contentious it is, and then we see. Emily's mother-in-law, Lorelai's grandmother, come into the scene, and they have a contentious relationship, um, Mm. Emily and her mother-in-law. And so it's fun because we get to see Emily, who's like normally kind of the character who strikes fear in the heart of the other characters because she's so um, strident and and just can be difficult. We get to see her kind of shaking her boots when confronted with her mother-in-law, who Mm. comes into the scene and kind of presents to Lorelai – a way to get out from under her parents' thumb. And there's a lot of vulnerability in this episode because it shows how scary that idea is for her parents that she would not have to rely on them in order to pay for Rory's school. So yeah, it's a great episode and it's really fun to see characters kind of switch roles like that. Hmm. Cool. And over on Itchbo, HBO, Human Body Odor, uh, we have the movie Wit with Emma Thompson, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Eileen Atkins, and uh, Audra McDonald. Oof. Yeah. This is uh, it's a brutal one because mm-hmm. it is basically, I mean, it's a, based on a play in that it's practically a monologue mm-hmm. uh, directed by Mike Nichols and Emma Thompson and Mike Nichols uh, did, adapted the screenplay. And it's about this literature professor discussing how she's dying of cancer oh my. and talking about literature mm-hmm. and talking about dying of cancer. And... Yeah, it's fucking amazing. I mean, Emma Thompson is freaking amazing. I can't imagine filming this because, like, she obviously goes through a decline through, you know, the course of the the uh, movie. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really, really good. It I don't is. Know what else am I supposed to say? <laughs> Very brutal. And I remember watching parts of this when it came out and thinking – it kind of reminded me a lot of, of course, HBO's adaptation of Angels in America, yeah. which is another mm. brutal play adapted um, by HBO. More Emma Thompson, more Mike Nichols. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so, um, but yeah, it's great, but it is a heavy one for sure. And Emma Thompson, yeah, yeah she goes for it. I saw a little interview actually of her talking about the character and how much she loved the character, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense now that. I did not realize that she helped adapt the screenplay. So that makes perfect sense. Then she really obviously felt quite the connection. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like all just misery and horribleness. I mean, so much of it is talking about literature and the use of language in interesting ways. And yeah. Well, and I mean, it's called wit because her character is, it's kind of known for her wit and kind of being sarcastic and, um, and getting through life 
with on her cleverness, as she says in her interview and how that, you know, you sometimes have to learn, like sometimes being clever is not enough. Sometimes that means it does, mm-hmm. it's not going to keep you from all harm. You know, I think that's part, a big part of the, the problem there. Yep. And also out this week on Itchbo, The Sopranos, another toothpick, which is one of my favorite, least consequential episodes of The Sopranos. Yeah. yeah. I, I pulled it because, yeah, it's it's not a huge episode. Not a lot goes on. But Doesn't advance a lot much, of little... but it's, it's very tense. It's one of the most tense episodes ever. Well, a lot of little small things happen that are very... Um... Little dominoes. <laughs> Yeah, little dominoes for sure. My favorite storyline ha- happens, which is just so ugh, heart-wrenching, is um, Artie Bucco. Yes. So Adriana has been working for Artie in the in Vesuvios as a um, hostess. As a hostess. Mm-hmm. And she tells him that she can't work there anymore, that Christopher doesn't want her to work there anymore. He's a made and- man now. Look at this rock on my finger. Yeah, <laughs> and so she, and so Artie is obviously crestfallen about it, and then it comes out later. He confesses to Tony that he's in love with Adriana, which is just like, oh. Artie, Artie. Oh, honey, no. Oh, oh yeah. honey. <laughs> no, no, no. And, 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 and two great guest stars in very weird sequences about the responsibility Tony has to bear on himself. Charles S. Dutton, rock! is a cop who pulls him over and he's like, uh, won't let him off. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to hassle his boss and get him fired. The next time he meets him, he's at a bird bath store and like, Oh, I, I I'm seeing the guy whose life I ruined because he gave me a ticket. Ugh, mm. Heavy wears mm-hmm. the fucking crown. And, uh, and then Burt Young, fucking Burt Young, hey. the Pope of Greenwich village, Burt Young, uh, on his, let's call it his last hit, it is one of the silliest sequences ever. It is gross. It is wonderful. Um, lots of death in this episode in ways that don't seriously uh, uh, matter to any of our main characters. <laughs> it is, yeah. It is mm. weird. It's pretty gruesome, though. It is. It is. Lots, lots of, like, uh, blood you wouldn't expect. Um, yeah, yeah. And, but of course, also, too, we can't, we also have to mention that it opens with Tony and Carmela oh, yes. in a joint therapy session with Dr. Melfi, which is such a bad idea. That like, was- <laughs> And that was that was that was the image they promoted this season with. Like, no, they're both going to go to therapy together. No, yeah. don't do it. It's uh, it does not end well. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor, you can imagine Doctor Melfi. This is the seventeenth time you mentioned he only goes down on you on your birthday. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, and then, last but not leastly, uh, the seventy third annual Academy Awards airs this week. Uh, who is the host here? I can't see. Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Steve yeah. Martin. God, one of my favorite people for real. Uh, anything super notable this year, Diana? Like beyond the uh, awards that I, because I was definitely yeah. like way on board and like this is officially my sports now. This is what <laughs> I watch, and I was just I was heartbroken with the nominees. So like I, yeah. It, 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 well, I mean, there's some good ones. Uh, Steven Soderbergh winning Best Director for Traffic. Like, okay, I can see that. Uh, one of my least favorite Soderbergh picture. movies, but I love Soderbergh. Good for you. I mean, Gladiator winning Gladiator Best Picture. is fun, but it's no Crouching Tiger. It's no Aaron Brockovich. It's mm-hmm. not even Traffic. So It's not even Chocolat. I mean, sorry, Chocolat. <laughs> but no, Crouching Tiger. My God. Chocolat. Mm-hmm. Chocolat. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Julia Roberts won for Aaron Brockovich and gave a completely adorable speech. It was so cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Crowe won for Gladiator, which, yeah, again, that's kind of some bullshit because we had Tom Hanks from Castaway right there. 
Jeffrey Rush mm. from Quills. Sorry, like him both better. Uh, Benicio Del Toro Benicio. one for Traffic, which for once that's well deserved. Uh, Marsha Gay Harden from Pollock that we just talked about. Game. Um, <laughs> sure. Been waiting to do that for like an hour. <laughs> no, uh, my yeah. co-host looked ashamed <laughs> of me. But, uh, uh, and then Cameron Crowe won uh, original screenplay for Almost Famous. So, yeah, that was nice. And and but uh, uh, Frances McDormand, we I wanted that to be. Oh, uh, best supporting actress, man. I just wanted a Frances McDormand marathon leading up to No Man Land. Mm. Can't wait I to like, talk to you guys about the Oscars. I, I mean, like, that was actually a big upset, though. Everyone thought Kate Hudson from Almost Famous had that was, shit locked down. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is I like imagining the alternate universe that we live in, where Kate Hudson won has an Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have enough already? Up uh, is down, left is right. Him and, and Gladiator wins like every every award Transformers will win this year. Gladiator won makeup, hair, costumes. Um, yeah, and and so so many categories where it's Gladiator versus Crouching Tiger, all the technical stuff, and um, the wrong one wins except for cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Hidden Dragon cinematography is fucking divine. So yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, video games of 2001. Excited to talk about this. Klonoa 2 is out. If you like your side scrollers in 3D, I remember this being one of my the first times I realized I had a game that was rare. Uh, a sequel to an obscure game that followed up and was reviewed very well, but released in small quantities. Klonoa 2. But it's a big week for PC players. Black and White is out, which is a game I know I played and wish I could tell you more about, but I refuse to look into it until the patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, show I'll do with Matt and Michael Tribes 2 and it would be adorable if Sarah knows what I'm talking about here but Serious <laughs> Sam the first encounter comes out on PC does that ring a bell for you at all not a bit so at this point um our friend uh our friend MB has his mm-hmm. uh he's a first person in town with DSL so m- me and your husband and a bunch of our friends move our PCs into the that Florida basement by basement I mean sunken garage and we are playing a ton of stuff there. And Sam's birthday comes up. We find out there's a super silly game called Serious Sam. And our friend has this thing called Adobe Photoshop. So we <laughs> we put Sam's face on a box. Yes, a box for a PC game. And our faces are all on the the rest of it. And then that was all it was supposed to be. And then like all of a sudden, Sam opened up the game. Like, this game's actually re- really good. And it's good as in like... It has it's a no frills strafe shoot everything you can. The story is stupid. The characters are stupid. Almost everybody speaks and yells. It's hilarious. <laughs> it, it is it is it doesn't bother with bullshit. I love Serious Sam, but I remember it because it it stood in. I hope he didn't throw it away, but it might be somewhere in your house right now. This oh copy of Serious Serious Sam we gave him uh, for his birthday twenty years ago. I'll have to <laughs> ask him about that because yes, this is also my sam's birthday week so wish him a happy we're two days apart i know you guys are almost birthday buddies and yes i i have my own serious sam that i married (laughs) (laughs) sam is a very serious man sometimes he's silly should have seen go go to town the the concrete hammer out here on my steps uh but let's close out with screaming infidelities by blast blast board (laughs) uh dashboard confessional um I don't know the song. I'm assuming. Just pretend that you're me and you're about to turn, let's say you're about to turn 16 and you're just feeling full of emotions. You're driving around on a hot Florida night with the windows down your car. And you want a boy to scream a song at your window 
Pretty much. <laughs> Don't uh, we all? Screaming infidelities, everyone. Stay right there because I really want to talk to you about the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Your hair is Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Of the many amazing things you've done, you were a child actor? I was a child actor. Uh, and I got a couple of, of small uh, commercials here and there. I did a, an ad for Buddy L Toys. Uh, I did Buddy an L? ad for Tab Soda. So I got two kinds of jobs over and over again. I got, oh, it's all the kids are the adults, and he's the chairman of the board. Or you're a kid <laughs> in school. And this was a kid in school where, like, the dumpy, angry teachers come in, and the kids are all rowdy. And, you know, like, today we're going to learn about history. And, you know, of course, she's... She's an overweight woman, and she's no fun. And Set she's your ugly. bubble tape uh, we... on fire, kids. I hate cartoons. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of march 19th through 25th kind of a neo-noir that i feel like is kind of not on anyone's radar that i'd like to recommend 40 years ago this week 1981 is cutter's way starring jeff bridges and john hurd it's i guess it's kind of a detective movie but it's also kind of about like vietnam vets and paranoia and also like corruption and murder about uh, these two guys who are sort of drifters who sort of run into each other and then they're pulled into intrigue and excitement because they're suspected of being involved in this murder and maybe it's this like fancy rich guy in town or maybe not I don't know and yeah I don't know why it just sort of it didn't really get much of a release uh, even though it was critically acclaimed and uh, it's just sort of forgotten about now but it's it's a good gritty little movie and uh yeah, pretty quick, fun watch. So, Cutter's Wave, 1981. That's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with The Ballad of Mona Lisa by Panic at the Disco, off of Vices and Virtues. Welcome to 2001, everyone. March 19th to the 25th, other music releases you include... said 2001. Did I say 2001? Because I meant 2011. <laughs> 2001-1. 2001-1. The ones! Okay. We're talking about the ones here. We never, ever decided on what to call the first two decades of this goddamn century. It's all bad. It's all bad. I especially hate the aughts. That's the aughts. terrible. Can't call it the teens. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, new releases for music this week. F-A-M-E by Chris Brown. Killer Love by uh, Nicole Scherzinger. Uh, Angles by The Strokes. Uh, the King of Yellow by The Dead Milkman. I Remember Me by Jennifer Hudson. And When You're Through Thinking Say Yes by Yellow Card. Really? <laughs> All of these bands... <laughs> I don't know. Don't seem like they exist in 2011, except for Panic at the Disco. But Born This Way by Lady Gaga is number one. Good Lord. So, and this is, plays are like that last vestige of things that like, I can't fucking see this. And something I've wanted to, (laughs) I've officially for 10 years to bring you in some news, non-movie, non-TV news. I've wanted to see Book of Mormon for 10 years. And it opens up 10 years ago. No. It came came to San Francisco. I saw it. How did you? I thought I remember it being a controversy because in order to see it to, or guarantee you see you have to buy, you had to buy season passes. But maybe that was something like eventually single tickets got released. But yeah, uh, yeah. Trey oh, no. Parker. I mean, I waited like I don't know six seven years before I could see it in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, without yeah getting season passes or you know getting it for a re- a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to wait till it came through like two times, but yeah. I did finally get to see it. It was freaking hilarious. And, and one of the things I love about you and your husband, which is both mm. something I love and is irritating, mm. you guys got to see this. Whenever we do karaoke, one of you always selects one song from Book of Mormon, and like, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. And everyone else we know who listens to like VGM and Cardi B is fucking mystified by whatever this is. So it's just <laughs> you and Michael singing Book of Mormon songs, which are oh, yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. Hasadiga Ibawai is usually the one I go for. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's like a tuna matata, except it means more like "fuck you, God." <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe someday, maybe someday it'll come to Disney Plus. I don't know why I'm dreaming; they'll own any, everything eventually. I don't see that necessarily coming up to <laughs> Disney Plus. I mean, I've never seen it, and as a, I'm a big musical person, I've listened to the sound. I have the soundtrack. I listened to it a bunch of times, and I just recently. Finally, it allowed myself to admit that I don't like this very much. (laughs) But I hate South Park and the South Park guys, so I do not. And that that new pandemic special was a ton of fun, and I didn't like the previous (laughs) special very much. So I'm tipping my hat to those guys. I love it. Is Trey Parker's non-ironic addiction to musicals? He's constantly making musicals uh, with dirty words, Sarah. But he 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 knows his business. Uh, I like a dirty word musical. I'm not. You like Avenue Q? It's it's, it's Trey Parker, Matt Stone, the Avenue Q guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Making Book of Mormon. Made Josh Gad a star. Yep. yep. And, and Andrew Rannells. Yep. Not enough. What? Who? <laughs> uh, but uh, movies of 2011. Oh, my God. And Jesus. I've never. Uh, Peep World. I did not see Peep World. Look at this cast, though. Rain Wilson, Leslie Ann Warren, Sarah Silverman, Ben Schwartz, uh, Ron Rifkin, Kate Mara, Taraji P. Henson, Michael C. Hall. And uh, Judy Greer, sadly, with no initial in her name. Peep World. Yeah. Oh, boy, is this a movie I wish were good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I really, really do. I mean, it's, uh, it's sort of... It's it's like if the Royal Tannenbaums was deeply disappointing in every way. Ah, boo. Because it's about, you know, this big crazy family and they're getting together and big crazy family stuff happens and there's revelations and there's, you know, someone thinks he's dying and then someone's marriage is falling apart. And this cast is so great. And like, I, I ended up turning it off. Like, 
jokes weren't landing. I knew where this wow. was going. It was just one cliche after another. And I was like, how did you get so many amazing people in this movie? Right. When it's like the script isn't fucking there. God damn it. Ten years ago, too. <clears throat> and for what I consider uh, my main angry event, uh, <laughs> I, I, I very rarely watch something that I am. I thought I saw it before, but like, fuck on the, on the eve of the Zack Snyder's justice league cut, we are talking about the 10th anniversary of a movie starring Scott Glenn, Carlo Giacchino, Oscar Isaac, Jamie Chung, Vanessa Hudgens, Jenna Malone from 30 rock, uh, Abby Cornish, Emily Browning, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, sucker punch. I lost everyone I've ever loved. Then they locked me away. What are you looking for? I need to get out of here. These are your weapons. If you succeed, it will set you free. We can do this. Did you lose your fight? No, I just found it. Sucker Punch. Experience it in IMAX March 25th. I feel bad for people. Also, John Ham. John yep. Ham. I was. Oh, he, he appears. Yeah. Eh, never mind. Where do we start with Sucker Punch? Because oh, I've ne- I've rarely well. had to like. I'm done with this movie. I'm like, what the fuck was that about? Like, <laughs> like, can somebody relate Good. to me the the plot of this? This is this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Doing this <laughs> it show, is straight gobbledygook. Like this movie it, it makes is, it is a, absolutely. It's, no sense. It's literally just a series of music videos with like yes. nonsensical interstitials. It's a it's a bad student film first draft made into a multi million dollar Hollywood movie. Because yeah. there, there's there's earmarks of things that could have been genius yet are not. It mm-hmm. is it is so it is a wild face palm and one of the most bombastic and boring fucking things I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> It, it is. This is crazy. And I'm the, the Zack Snyder uh, Justice League cut is getting good reviews. I like Zack Snyder. I think Dawn of the Dead and, and Watchmen are very good movies. Mm-hmm. And I don't like 300 that much. And I hate everything he's done with the DC characters. But like, yeah. but I, I remember seeing people like having to actually. I think this movie is great. It's a feminist masterpiece. And like, okay, yeah. Every oh, time yeah. I've heard that is from a man. This is all. Fucking, <laughs> this yeah. is. That is absolute gobbledygook, and that's where you guys come in because, like, this movie is hilariously bad. Oh, I think, uh, I mean, it's tough to say is it like watching music videos or is it like watching someone play a video game? Because yes, it's both, it's, yeah. It, I mean, there are things to collect like, in this movie, <laughs> arbitrary yeah. things to collect in this movie. <laughs> yeah, so the plot is Question that mark? there is a insane asylum that is also a brothel, or maybe that's all in her head. And they have to dance for clients, but maybe that's also action scenes that where they have to collect things for... What you're saying makes no sense and is all on escaping. screen. Escaping. <laughs> and... So, it's like... Okay. So, what... So, this... Okay. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of the easiest moves to go like, well, it's all a dream. <laughs> It's like, oh. that's, that's the version Twice. that makes by far the most sense. Twice. Dream on dream on dream. dream. It's All Inception. It, it, is, is it, it is, the movie is an Inception metaphor. Like, <laughs> an Incepted okay. metaphor. Well, it starts out, the main lady goes to, like, Opera. her mom dies, and mm. she 
goes to murder her abusive stepfather, but ends up accidentally murdering her sister instead with a gun. And so her horrible abusive stepfather puts her in an insane asylum so that he can inherit all of her dead mom's riches. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, So there's that. Then she gets put in this like weird, drippy, gray a sane asylum where Carlo Gugino is like a Russian question mark Jesus doctor Christ. question mark. There's so like, many awful things about this fucking. Oh my god. Who's oh, like having the women in this insane asylum act out their traumas because that's their therapy. But then also the stepfather pays off Oscar Isaac to forge the paperwork in order to get the main girl lobotomized. These are all things you learn at the end of the movie while the movie spins. I was I almost got the extended R rated cut of this and I I would have killed myself. This movie is (laughs) so so bad. No, that's okay. If you cut it down to its bare essentials, that seems to be the that's the the real level. That's the real level. Reality. That's reality. Reality level. So then in order to, like, I guess, escape this level, she imagines that instead of being imprisoned in an insane asylum, she's imprisoned in a brothel where I guess the only difference is that they get to wear prettier clothes. Yeah. And you, like, <laughs> meet the other women who are in this insane asylum. They can be a her. feminist male jerk fantasy. This is so yeah. awful. <laughs> and so right. in this part of it, oh. Carla Gugino is like the stage mistress slash dance instructor, but she, is she <laughs> kind? Kind of, I guess. Is she on the girl's yeah. side? Question mark. Is she with Oscar Isaac and their lovers? Question mark. I think so, but hard to say. And so she's like, you must dance for us. Show us your skills. And so then the main girl is like, okay. And then she like goes <laughs> and she like starts, she's like, okay, I'll do it. And then some good music starts playing, like some sort of like, you know, metalish cover. No, like no. There, there is song. not an, there is not one single decibel of good music in this entire fucking movie. They are bad, well, slow trailer cover songs. It is have been made bad. Yeah. The yes, worst. Yes. The worst. Yeah, Across like the board, the, the worst. Like super slow covers that were very much the rage at this point. Where so is my mind? <laughs> that song wasn't slow enough for you? Holy shit! <laughs> this movie sucks so hard! Oh my so god! So then she gets out to do her dance and closes her eyes and then we're in another level of reality where like she's in a video game a where Scott Glenn tells her like you must gather these three things or five things yeah. and or that's the other way you'll be yeah, take, take the sword and defeat the mecha samurai. I'm gonna need five sure. MacGuffins from you and this, this is, it's so, sorry. Never mind. I can't even start. I, I I don't even know where it's to start with this movie. Crazy. And the, the, mean, the only good thing about the movie is the action sequences, or maybe I mean the only thing Zack Snyder is really good at are the yeah. action scenes. They are okay, except that they are orange and brown and blue exclusively. Mm-hmm. And we're in three layers of fantasy. Show me purple. Mm-hmm. Give me a red. Something like for yeah. fuck's sake, it's like a green. The, the epitome of the term style over substance. Yes, mm-hmm. there is no substance. It's just like if you wanted to make a bunch of music videos or something, just yeah, 
just do it, I guess. Don't don't confuse us so much. Every I, second I disagree. I think there is one other good thing in this. What? This is the first time I noticed Oscar Isaac in something, and I was like, this is the only guy who huh. seems to know what movie he is in. Okay. Yeah, because he's, he's, he, he's, he's play- starts he, eating scenery. He's like, playing everything. I know I am the crazy villain, so uh, I am yeah. going to I will to play everything to the rafters. And then suddenly I will enunciate. <laughs> And then I will say the rest. And of I don't remember life. knowing who yeah. Oscar Isaac was at this point. Yeah. Uh, inside yeah. Llewellyn Davis is my kind of like, oh, this dude's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's. I will weird. say this though, I didn't not enjoy it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I was entertained by it. Still, I would never watch it again. Would I recommend it? No. I'm going to put it in that no. section. I'm no. This is what I'm saying. I'm going to put it in that category of it is a spectacle. Yeah, it is. I'm. I'm going to reiterate this. It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. It is. Okay, it is absolutely terrible. I feel like it's not a movie. Yeah, it's not a movie. It, yeah, it doesn't. So if you want to just like pull up the action scenes and just watch them out of context, you'll get just as and, much out of that, if not more, because you won't be confused about what the fuck is happening. I, I remember people calling it like a video game, and I, I as a, someone who was born and bred and fucking made his money in video games like i resent i resent when people use that term flagrantly but they're mm-hmm. right in that it, these do seem like cutscenes in between a bunch of other things we should have seen and done because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you are not given the information as a film goer to care about anything that happens mm-hmm. and i'm like yep. is this just because i'm not a I'm not a woman and I've never been enslaved for my vagina before. And then like every woman I talk to, like, no, this movie just fucking sucks. Let's, it, let's no. put this to bed. Women are so fetishized. Yeah. Just yeah. I, I, I am astonished anybody put money behind this. But the, like the reality is this is a different kind of bad too. This is very expensive. And, and yep. the, the Zach said, what I wanted to do, you know, you know, you accept certain things and been like, I'm going blind reading this. You're an idiot. And I, 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 I almost don't want to watch your Justice League. I'll watch his Justice League. Hoity-toity, I love the smell of my own farts. Let me see what I can get away with. <laughs> and just shoot the things that I want to shoot, which is women in doll makeup and action sequences. And then mm. it, it shells itself in this horrible, horrible Shutter Island wannabe ripoff. Like, I fucking hate <laughs> I hate this movie so fucking much. I have never really hated anything we've... I, every, thing we've done has been fun to talk about and i hated this i hated this to an unbelievable degree i can't think <laughs> of a better name for a movie i keep <laughs> i keep punching is, punching while it's <laughs> while it's not looking um, it is a good thing for a movie that i think a lot of people go went into it thinking they were getting something yeah and say got something else that they didn't want yes so it is actually <laughs> the good a good name for that movie and i again did not like it for some reason. There was something about it that appealed to no. me, but I do have to say the one thing that I do not truck with is people saying that this is like a feminist work, mm-hmm. which is mainly something I hear <laughs> from men. It seems I like mean, something a guy would say. Yeah. <laughs> Ma'am, your strip tease was a feminist masterpiece. Way to, okay. way to take yeah. control and own it. Well, By you know, the they're way. punching <laughs> while they're getting upskirt shots. That mm-hmm. makes it feminist. Let me, here's something. A strip tease a strip tease can be feminist. Yeah, sure. That, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But every work of art wherein a woman, quote, kicks ass, unquote, mm-hmm. or 
enacts violence against a horrible man is not a feminist work of art right. inherently. So let's be real careful when we throw the F word around uh, because <laughs> I didn't do it. I think this is terrible. I think it should I contain know. a warning does not contain fem- feminism yet contains three unfinished concepts. It's <laughs> <laughs> I hate this I, film. I, it's like, I, uh, I almost want to give it credit for the audacity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Perfect word. Just having, you know, it is something different. And if you like that, uh, that's fine. You like it. You know, our not liking it should not take away from whatever it is about it that you like. That's great. Just, yeah. I I mean, it is a swing for the fences. I have some guy friends, like, like two. I have two, two, a couple guy friends where like two good action sequences will redeem an entire movie. And this Mm. movie has way more than two. And, but I'm not, I am not that person. And it's, it's, I think it's ultimately deceptive and one of the most depressing endings I've ever seen in my fucking life. Oh, (laughs) 100%. So dumb. I was like, I watched most of this movie like, okay, all right, okay. But then hoping that this was building to a, like a denouement that. Yeah. I don't know, brought me some relief and or, or, the character or, some relief. Or made more and sense than the ending of Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, because this does not. It is <laughs> it is so stupid. <laughs> I hate this movie. Terrible. Oh, just a terrible ending. Yeah. Uh, and we might have to talk about Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes this year. Fuck! Fuck! Yep. Fuck. We do. Fuck. Can't we... wait. I don't Can't know. We, we, maybe we'll have to do a worst of recap, because this is. I find this movie just miserable and a waste of everyone's time. Even though I read that Zack Snyder profile, and apparently his people, his crew, loves him very much, and seems like a nice guy. Okay, seems All like right. a nice guy. Don't mean to bag on him. Looking forward to his Justice League cut, which is getting decent reviews. Right, well, Steve. Yeah, I mean, of course you have time for character development when your movie is four, four hours. Hours. <laughs> and, and to be fair, are we done punching sucker punch. I think no. so. Okay, good. Yep. We can move on to uh, a movie. None of us could be bothered to punch at all. Yeah, but I'm kind of surprised it, it hit number one at the box office when it's up against, you know, a PG-13 action movie that looks like it has appeal for people. <laughs> Let's be honest. Two out of three of your hosts were in their 30s at this point. This movie isn't for us. Our take on it doesn't matter. It's number one at the box office this week. Steve Zahn, uh, Robert Caprone, Rachel Harris, Devin Bostwick, Zachary Gordon, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules! Parents. You two will stay and work out your differences. If you think you're in charge. And don't have anybody over this weekend. Think again. This May. This is great. I know. I wish my mom was here. Big Brothers. Rule. (laughs) That is hilarious. Woo! I don't know. I, I, I would... I would... After all that beating up on Sucker Punch, it would kind of delight me if anybody in the community had some positive things to say about the Diary of a Wimpy Kid trilogy. Sorry if that ad is confusing that says it's May. That's for the UK. For some reason, I could not find a good ad for the American release of this movie, even though it's popular. You know, the whole trilogy is popular. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the Empire Strikes Back of the series, I guess. Ooh. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, son, I, I am like your that. father. <laughs> Uh, oh no! no. Yeah, he loses a hand at the end. It's kind of a downer ending. Uh, no, <laughs> Did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah, I admit I didn't end up watching any of these, but the reviews were all you know, pretty good. They said not as good as the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe part of the problem is because it's focusing on the older teenage brother who's pretty obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But you know, but they end up like working out their problems and helping each other in the end. And 
Yay. Yay. Cool. Yay, indeed. Right. It's weird. I, 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 I never saw this, but like just going to bookstores, I do you have the cover of the book in your head like I do when you yeah. mm-hmm. so I'm, yeah. I'm vaguely aware of this whole concept moving on to television ladies and gentlemen it is the big love finale um, or as I believe I said the first time I realized oh not everything on HBO is good sorry not everything on HBO I will like and I didn't I really love like big, big love. love I like big love there's a couple seasons that are kind of rough but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it went five seasons, and like two and a half of them are good, <laughs> or two and a half of them are great, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's about a man mm. and his three wives. Who are very and... much not Mormon. That's what I remember from the watching it. The, we're not Mormons, but we are. Yeah, but, uh, but they are. Yeah. I mean, they well, they are, but they're not mainstream Mormons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like one of them was raised mainstream Mormon, and the other ones were raised on this, you know, fundamentalist compound that is definitely splintered off from Mormonism and, mm-hmm. you know, and they address a, a lot of that and they really go into some of the, the trauma of being raised, you know, on this, the, the compound and like how women are treated as commodities. And uh, they tend to get rid of, you know, a lot of teenage boys who are competing mm-hmm. for the women because, you know, it's not an ecosystem that's sustainable to have right. a bunch of women for every one dude. But, you know, all the fine, <laughs> the family dynamics are really interesting. And, you know, it does go into interesting places. And the finale, I found it's actually pretty satisfying mm-hmm. in a weird way in that they figure out, hey, here's how you can have like positive pro woman polygamy. And it turns out the answer is kill the man. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, I really loved Big Love as well. And it's just, I love Bill Paxton. And I miss him. He does such a good job in this role. And also, Chloe Sevigny is just one of my favorite characters on TV, actually. Like, she's so Mm. complicated and, like, not really a villain, but not great either. Like, just Mm -hmm. kind of a perfect female character in that way that's like super interesting super sexy but also like very strange but yeah i really she was the really like devout one the the yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but also had her own like quirks too she was like kind of snaky i don't know i just really loved her Mm -hmm. i loved her in that role it was like a perfect role for her but yeah i've actually been watching a popular reality television program about mormonism uh it's been on for like a million seasons and well is it about mormonism or is it about a dude with a bunch of wives it's about a dude with a bunch of wives it's sister Mm -hmm. wives and i totally sucked into watching it while I'm like cleaning the house or like playing games on my phone or whatever but it's been really interesting to watch because these people are not unsympathetic people I mean again it's a reality television program they're going to edit it in certain ways but I do understand the appeal of plural marriage because people are raising their family, their children in a very supportive environment Mm -hmm. that is very conducive to raising children and something that's missing from modern life for a lot, lot, lot of people. American life, yeah. Yeah. When we we don't live with our our extended family, our uncles and grandparents. it's yeah, it must be been... so great to just drop your kids off and be like, I got to go run errands. Yeah. And I trust the people that I'm leaving my children with, like with my life, with my children, yeah. you know, they are in my family. And I do think that that is a big problem with modern parenting is that the lack of a tribe, the lack of a village, you know, to raise your children. That's 
new. That's like a modern concept that we're all kind of insulated. It's, we live our like isolated lives. That's not how <laughs> families used to be raised. Yeah. It, and it, it, is idea, very, it is very, when you remove, just for a second, remove the sexual aspect of polygamy. I'm like, oh, that makes mm-hmm. a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine mm-hmm. three family incomes? Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. Or have, you know, having a cul-de-sac mm-hmm. where, you know, if you're, you know, your children are safe in this cul-de-sac right. because they're at a relative's house. I mean, I have cousins who grew up in like a more rural part of Florida with, you know, other cousins and that's how they live. They just like ran across their backyard to their other, you know, yeah, to the yeah. other house. And it's huh. a great way to raise a family. It's very, very attractive. That's one of the Do- things. It they- does not need to be like a polygamous situation. That's the thing is that mm. if we could build better communities yeah, that, that are more open to that sort of sharing and get rid of this idea of like American, like you have to go it on your own. I'm sorry. No, I've that, been like kind of ranting about this for a while too, like no, ever I, since the recession, because <laughs> the idea of like children moving back home with their parents or elderly parents moving in with their children, that being like such a crazy thing is just a very modern idea. That's, that's mm. not how we used to live. Like, and, and grandparents, uh, parents, the, everyone would live together. The, uh, the ideal thing, children. the ideal thing I remember about the show is the conjoined backyard that there are three mm-hmm. homes, the three families live in that spits out into this like recess yard, summer camp scenario, mm-hmm. this compound. <laughs> and, and just, yeah, during the pandemic, it's very weird. Socially, I've leaned a little on my neighbors more than mm-hmm. I have in mm-hmm. my entire life. And Sarah's even been around for the election we put a tv in the driveway and people stay apart and oh yeah they called me up yeah i'll feed your cats uh, yeah oh mm-hmm. i'll take the trash cans in i, I yeah stay at work i got this and we're we are a little tighter as a community it feels great it's <laughs> so awesome it great. Mm-hmm. yeah it's really nice like i i think that is something that's missing in modern culture and i really would like for that to come back the idea of uh, of just this community where people take care of each other a little bit better. Yeah. And, and, and yep. bum cigarettes That's... off of one another. <laughs> yeah. And polyandry. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That hasn't happened. I, like it all. I always come back to this. Like I have no problem with polygamous society. As long as polyandry is also on the table. Someone, some lady wants to have four husbands. Mm. Everyone should be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It just, I feel like the schedule, just like the thing that turns me off from polygamy and polyandry is just the schedules. The work. Uh, I can't see too much, too yeah. much schedules. Big, big love ends. I don't know exactly how, but let us know if it's one of your faves in the comments. And uh, also out this week is how I met your mother, Legend Daddy, um, with a very mm-hmm. special guest star. What's this about, Sarah? In the show, if you're not familiar, Barney, played by Neil Patrick Harris, is a legendary playboy cat about town mm-hmm. and but he was raised without the presence of his father and so this whole time he kind of has made up in his mind what his father must be must be just like me yada yada and it's been like kind of a season arc of him looking for his father as an adult now and he does find him and it's played by john lithgow <laughs> which is just a great choice i think but barney ends up being very disappointed because he's just like a regular old suburban dorky dad and he's not this like jet-setting playboy that he thought (laughs) would like make up for the fact that he wasn't present for his whole life so um it's i pulled a little clip just because it's really fun to see these two actors interact because they are our two biggest scene chewers i think (laughs) like of our acting generation like two 
real actory actors, legends of stage and screen, but mm-hmm. mainly stage. And I mean, they just are chewing each other scenery. And it is fun to watch the the shouting. Indeed. Barney, what is going on? This is mine. I don't understand. JJ gets a childhood, a dad, a real family, and a basketball hoop? No, no. I at least get the hoop. I'm taking it with me. Please, just come down and talk to me. Why? Why should I? You're lame, okay? You're just some lame suburban dad. Why does that make you so mad? Because if you were going to be some lame suburban dad, why couldn't you have been that for me? Barney. I know I screwed up. Oh, screwed up doesn't even begin to describe... I know, I know, I know! I want to fix this and I don't know how. Please tell me what I can do. I'll do anything. Oof. Uh, Yeah. It's just... (laughs) And and yeah, onto uh, one of my favorite shows of this period... It's airing one of its one of I think my top three favorite episodes. It is really great. It is showing off what some of the things that Community does extremely well, and that modern shows still haven't done as well as Community. But also why this show is kind of not for everyone. Hmm. I love the episode uh, "Critical Film <laughs> Critical Film Studies" because it is a My Dinner with Andre parody that dangles the prospect of a Pulp Fiction parody with one of the greatest ensemble cast in television history as they they wait for Abed at a surprise Pulp Fiction party that he never shows up to. It's it's wonderful. It's so good. And remind me of the Pulp Fiction party. Aren't there are there two characters who dressed up as the same yes, person? I, I, I think I think. I just I love I remember. I love that Shirley is Sam Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> and, so funny. Uh and but this yeah. is probably I think this is my favorite community episode yeah yeah it's actually, it's, it's in, all time. in my top three it's just one of those i can like i'll just watch this i don't need to binge the whole series because it's it's the perfect community episode mm-hmm. it's it's and I, comedy nerds I, film nerds uh it, it if if you get this you will love community i love my dinner with andre mm-hmm. i watched it for the first time at nerd camp mm-hmm. 20 years ago <laughs> 20 years ago this summer, Jesus, it like, if you've seen, it's so hard to explain the movie, my dinner with Andre, because it's just two guys talking. Mm -hmm. And one of them is the inconceivable guy. Wallace Shawn. (laughs) That's how I've had to explain it to Mm -hmm. so many people. And it sounds like the worst movie ever when you say it like that. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of indescribable. And for them to, for the community to, so perfectly capture the essence of that movie <laughs> like yeah. the dinner like i like just looking at that clip again even the lighting yeah is like <laughs> perfect and then and the soundtrack the and the sweater <laughs> the... abed's fucking yep. sweater is just oh i just love it so the be- much the better yeah. title is what jill when McHale it's... says at the end uh, i'll never forget my dinner with audrey dinner with abed and... <laughs> 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 uh-huh. well yeah it's one of those references where it's like they they explain it at the end in case you didn't get it, but if you got it early on, you're sitting there like, yeah. oh, yeah, shit. like this came full circle and <laughs> oh, it dangled something much more mainstream in front of my face, took it away, and then gave it to the talkie movie from the seventies. Great, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I love this, and it's also uh, Abed. It, in the main character Jeff uh, are finally having a conversation with one another, but Jeff does not realize that Abed is just living in his own parody. Yet he ends up divulging some highly sensitive information. I call sex line workers just so I can talk to women. It's uh, it's it's <laughs> mm. such a fun episode. And to if that all that wasn't enough in the show, Abed is a huge fan of Cougar Town. It's weirdly symbolic of community itself. He always yells sixties in the movie that started about Cougar Town. And it became community's mantra online. 
But in this My Dinner with Andre parody, he talks about something that happened to him and why he doesn't understand Cougar Town anymore. Uh, I probably mentioned in the past my fondness for a TV program called Cougar Town. Here and there. Yeah. I even started a Cougar Town fan club on Facebook. And uh, not to accomplish anything, mind you, simply to express my love for the show. Well, it ended up being quite large, this fan club. And uh, one morning, I think it was maybe early March, I got this Facebook message. A very nice message from the people who make Cougar Town. Looking for work? <laughs> No, thanking me, Jeff, you know, for all the support I generated for the show. And in the last paragraph, they said, if you'd like, you could come visit set. Just like that. Well, that's cool of them. So I sold a few of my action figures, and I bought a round-trip ticket to Los Angeles. Wait, what? You went? Yeah. When? Over spring break. What could I do? Two days after I got that invitation, I was on the set of Cougar Town, Jeff. Cougar Town. I'm talking to the director, and he says, why don't you jump into the background? I say, nah, wait a minute, jump into the background of what exactly? And he says, jump into the background of this scene. Well, before I can react, this girl takes me by the hand and she stands me behind this patio where Courtney Cox and the actors are doing their scene. And the girl says, now when you hear action, I want you to walk from here to there, right? That's when I really started to panic, Jeff, because if I'm a person that watches Cougar Town, how can I be in Cougar Town? <laughs> so this is all leading up to one of my favorite meta jokes ever. This is a failed Pulp Fiction parody dressed in a My Dinner with Andre parody of Community and the story ends up becoming a reality. The only footage I've seen of Cougar Town is Abed sitting behind Busy Phillips in an incredible act of product placement with Subway. It, mm -hmm. Pretty crass. <laughs> but Abed is actually doing this on the show. So, <laughs> And I don't know yeah. that the, the two audiences tied over and even like understood this was happening. I remember hearing about this like a year later. Uh, it tied over with me. I was watching Cougar Town and wow. Community at the same time, and I <laughs> loved it when this happened. I was, this has never <laughs> happened before for me. This is so exciting. And, and Cougar I Town, like, it. I don't know if exactly what Abed describes happens in that scene in Cougar Town. He just does abruptly get up and run, but he says he shits his pants. So, like, his story may have come true in another TV series with him in it. <laughs> It's on another network. On another network. Mm. This is one of the coolest things that's Cougar ever Town happened. It was on ABC. <laughs> yeah, or, or TBS. I can't remember where it was well, at this point. Well, I started on ABC. It moved. Yeah. Still, uh, that's wild. It's insane. It's, it's pretty it's, awesome. It's just a, one, a needlessly wonderful thing. I don't, did, we, did we describe that episode, Sarah, where they keep yelling like, oh, this is going to be like the seventh, <laughs> seventh season of Scrubs where the yeah. main character never comes back and the end of the episode is narrated by Zach Braff. Like, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, I almost... I, when we did our bottle episode mm -hmm. of Laser Time, mm -hmm. I can't remember if we talked about this because I almost – it's almost a bottle episode. Yeah, almost. It's two locations. Mm -hmm. I mean, My Dinner with Andre is definitely a bottle movie. Mm -hmm. So maybe we <laughs> talked about that. I feel like we might have broached it a or little a play, bit. but I'll take it. It's, yeah, a play, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that makes sense too. And all right, so we, we've got to close the show down. But first, oh boy, the games of 2011 because this week I think – I might have met a couple of you out at uh, PAX East in Boston. I miss Boston and PAX East dearly. Uh, not just because I'm not completely in the games industry, but like who knows if we'll ever have another convention of any kind on that level no. with strangers ever again. But other video games came out this week. Hey, iPhoneers. Yeah, you got an iPhone 10 years ago. Angry Birds Rio is out. Crisis 2, one of the worst titles in history for a Final Fantasy fighting game. Dissidia 012 Final Fantasy. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, it's... These are out of order. What are you happening? It's what? Square showing all the hubris in the world to guarantee people showing up to get a Final Fantasy game will not find it in the F section. Also, confusingly, a Lego Star Wars 3, The Clone Wars... 
This is the follow-up to Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy, and Lego Star Wars 1, the oh. prequel. Yeah, it's it's difficult to wrap your head around. And then we uh, have Swarm and Ghostbusters Sanctum of Slime. That was a twin-stick live game, or a downloadable game I had never actually got to play. But uh, Ghostbusters have had some pretty decent games. And that is almost it for the show. We're going to tell you who uh, lived and who died. We got a fun quiz, so stay right there. Don't, don't leave while we plug our shit. Because we got to plug our patrons, like uh, our executive producer, Stephen Bales, and all the other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. Going to have a brand new episode of 302010 Games coming at you very soon. But thank you guys so much for allowing us to do this to, for a living. Diana, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listenanerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast. Mm-hmm. And coming up next week, just in 2001, we have so much quality weird children's entertainment oh okay we got robert rodriguez making a kids movie oh Oh, yeah a popular one Mm -hmm. with multiple Mm -hmm. sequels we have some very strange animation including uh an alien invader and his dog oh i love it so dearly oh yes Mm. one of the ugliest weirdest shows that's ever existed that i love so much Mm mm-hmm I can't wait for that. Hey, maybe tell a friend about the show, but die who died during this period of 302010, March 19th to the 25th, across these uh, three decades. Well, it was a really bad week for Eric Clapton because Leo Fender of the Fender Stratocaster died. He was 81. And Clapton's son, Connor, died. He was five. He fell out a window. Uh, you should write a song also, about it. Also, you should write a song about it. Yeah. Also, a hero, a national hero, Dominic Bellissimo. Co-inventor of buffalo wings died. He was 68. Why were- <laughs> are we celebrating Columbus when we could be celebrating this man? Yeah. Really? Obviously it's his mom, Teresa. Italian. Teresa Bellissimo. I think that's the one we should be celebrating. Of course. I, I'm, that's sh- I'm shocked okay. it took two people to, to come up with this. Uh, spicy well, wings, you know, spicy chicken through, trash. <laughs> yeah, it went through it went through different iterations. I think Teresa's the one who added the blue cheese and the celery oh. and, and up some of the spiciness. So there you go. And in 2001, we lost William Hanna of Hanna-Barbera. He was 90. Wow. Wow. Yeah, they both lived a really long they time. They did. And uh, here we go. Tw- 2011, we lost Knut the Polar Bear, who mm. was four. Oh, how he do we was a him? boy. He had he got encephalitis. And mm. there's really disturbing you... footage of him spinning around and spinning around and people are yelling like somebody help him and oh my god cool. yeah i was, wow. was going to guess cocaine all that <laughs> snow <laughs> opioids gets them every time yeah no knut the polar bear was the first polar bear born in berlin zoo for like a really long time and he was so chute and we also lost uh blue singer pine top perkins who was 97 dorothy young who was harry houdini's assistant <laughs> was 103 and then wow. the the big one, though, was Liz Taylor, who right. was 79. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the last of the icons, damn it. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew uh, up, like, not unlike Burt Reynolds, I didn't grow up in her heyday. I grew up in when she is like this tabloid phenomenon. And I, oh, I, I grew up with these have always brought me luck. <laughs> White diamonds, baby. Yes. <laughs> Sarah, ever the little gay kid. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, uh, with that uh, reductive statement out of the way, let's get into the birthday. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. 
let's see if you can turn it into a hat trick, Chris, because you've gotten it pretty much on the first clue two weeks in a row now. I can't even. So let's see. I actually took out some clues to make it a little bit harder. (laughs) Oh, man. Scott Glenhard? No, not Scott Glenhard. I promise. That means I would have gotten this too easily. Keith David. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be funny if it were true. But no, hitting their 90th birthday. Wow. Born March 22nd, 1931 in Montreal, Quebec, au Canada. He got a degree in economics from McGill and did a lot of Shakespeare at the Stratford, Ontario Shakespeare Festival, including understudying Christopher Plummer and Henry V. Really? The fifth Henry? Go on. He made his TV debut as Ranger Bob on the Canadian Howdy Doody show. What the fuck? There's a Canadian Howdy Doody? Yep. There was. was, For five years, there was a Canadian Howdy Doody show. (laughs) So they realized, we could just make our own stuff. We don't need a license. Are you telling me they speak the same language as us? I don't know what the accent that was. I don't either. I don't know what I was going for. Kind of Liverpool. Yeah. 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 Yes, I'm from Canada. Oh, also, I didn't know he starred on Broadway in A Shot in the Dark as the bumbling detective that would be turned into Clouseau in the movie. Yeah. Uh, 90. 90. Is Jeffrey Rush 90? He's not 90. No. He's Australian. Oh, damn it. Oh, I didn't know that. So his first film was in The Brothers Karamazov with Yul Brynner in 1958. Holy Lord. Um... Oh my God! Who could possibly be still alive? Who was co-star? I know. I'm trying to even think of people alive at this point. Since 1958, he has 243 IMDb credits. I think that might be the record for us. Hmm. And those include the American remake of Rashomon and a movie entirely in Esperanto. William Shatner. There you go. It's William Shatner. Oh, you son of a bitch! I knew he. Yeah, William Shatner is. He loves Esperanto. (laughs) Love Esperanto. not quite Spanish. It's not quite English. It's just right. It's yeah. <laughs> just a shout out for a deal. I picked up all of the uh, Star Trek original trilogy movies on Blu-ray on Amazon for $10. And like, Ooh, I know they're all uh, streaming somewhere, but like, this is, that is my introduction to Star Trek. I still haven't seen much of the show. I watched the movies oh. when I was a little kid. Mm. I, I love those Dang. movies. Oh, love the yeah. William Shatner. God damn. All right, so we have talked about him in The Wild, Over the Hedge, Third Rock from the Sun. I loved him on that so much. Miscongeniality, Fanboys, Boston Legal, Free Enterprise, Shit My Dad Says, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. I believe we have Star Trek VI coming up. And I wanted to throw in that, like me, he is a grumpy Jew with tinnitus who is a pain to work with. Awesome. Also, I don't believe he runs his Twitter. I refuse to believe that. Yeah, that was really disturbing to read. And it also doesn't sound like something, I don't know, anybody that kind would ever say. Like, uh-uh. What? Did he? Well... No, I apparently, heard, it's. I think there people, are legendary stories of his kindness. Let's just put it that way. Oh, wait, and his un, his lack of kindness. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. But, but it's that's it's, not really what he's best known for. <laughs> yeah, if yeah, you, if no, ever, it's Twitter. Into, it reads like an alt right teenager wrote it. Yes. It's, and it's just like, mm, but given the fact that like does not sound like a ninety year old Canadian. Given the fact that he's not in trouble, because even old people, I can't imagine. I don't think Chatner would get a pass. So like somebody must have looked into it, or maybe we just all want to all collectively ignore it, like the endosphere. Hmm. Didn't and, he have like a weird talk show on like IFC where the chairs were like facing each other and they kind yeah. of yeah. No, that, that was Star Trek, cool. Sarah. Jesus Christ. No, was that, that was Aftermath. And he's actually a pretty good interviewer. Yeah, he's done several movies uh, interviewing the captains of the other starships. I think it's called The Captains. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. I, Sam and I watched that. That was very It's great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, much, yep. much respect so for So as Shatner. much as the man, <laughs> much as the man, you know, has been a punchline so much, he, I, I, like, I have real sympathy for him. Like, I feel... It, 
must hurt to be a punchline when you wanted to be a serious actor. And so, of course, you're going to be grumpy for a long time and then learn to embrace it. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that, yeah. I mean, I get it with the whole like, oh, I have all this like acting training that I, I was this wonderful Shakespearean actor. And now I'm a punchline for a franchise that has made me very, very rich. But you know mm. else? Who else is in that boat who is not an asshole? Sir Patrick Stewart. So mm. I don't think that I don't have a lot of sympathy for Shatner. And, and also, <laughs> there's other stuff in there, too. My favorite being him refusing to run in the TJ Hooker show so they like get on a cart and they'd pull him while he pumped his arms it's the silliest looking it's the silliest <laughs> looking foot like only Rodney Dangerfield could get away with that but Shatner was doing uh, that in his 40s that is a wonderful writer to ha- his writer was that he literally had to be a writer I'm not going to run <laughs> ride not run hair doesn't look good when I break a sweat you're going to pull me I, need- I love that he invented that and I I appreciate it. now oh, I'm on Lord. board again Holy Lord. Yeah. Also, uh, I, I think Comedy Central has been rerunning roasts lately. I yeah. think Shatner's is the best. Ooh. Yeah, that was really good. It is really that. good. And I, I think they're, I got depressed when I saw that because I think they're doing that because this is when there would have been a roast if this right. was a normal time. And I, I oh. can't help it. I do like I do like uh, rich people being mean to one another. It's- I do too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I enjoyed the Bruce Willis one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, Edward Norton's yep. piece on that was amazing. Anyway, 30 2010, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, tell a friend about the show. Maybe give us a review. Throw us a star on your app or player of choice. Thanks. Thank you or so much iTunes. for listening. Or iTunes. And we're going to close out with You Can't Play with My Yo Yo by Yo Yo featuring Ice Cube. Is this from Ninja Turtles? No. Is there something from Ninja Turtles you would rather go out with than Ice Cube's protege, Yo Yo? I, I could actually. I just... I mean, I know I shouted it out in 2001, but Ninja I have rap? to say, I-, I would love to go out with Peaches and Cream. A great ode to treating your lady right. All right. Peaches and Cream it is by somebody. Who? 112. Okay. One- oh, God. All right. But with that, uh, we will see you guys next week. Stay safe out there. Can't get enough of you. Always against you. So sweet, I can't forget. So good, girl, you make me sweat. But I'm talking about Peaches and Cream. Know what I mean? Peaches and cream. I need a cousin more than a friend.